What is up, Nasty Guard Nation? Um, so before we get started with this episode, I wanted to preface a couple things. Um, first of all, thank you so much for coming back. I know we've been on a very long uh, break, and I'm so thankful that you guys came back and that you're uh, you know, participating and, and being a part of our community again. So the first thing I want to say is thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, the next thing I want to say is you're going to hear in this uh, this episode uh, some sections where the audio breaks up. Uh, maybe the audio quality doesn't sound real great, or uh, you can tell that the recording cuts and then picks back up. Um, so my advice to people that would like to start a podcast in the future don't uh, don't record in the middle of an Arctic storm. Um, my Wi-Fi dropped a couple times during this interview. You guys don't miss out on any content. Um, everything we we pick up right where we left off, uh, but you will hear some breaks in the audio and sometimes some choppy audio. Uh, so we do apologize for that. We we have uh, mitigated this in the future um, by switching up the way that we we connect connect to the network. So uh, hopefully that shouldn't be an issue moving forward, but. Uh, I wanted to preface that before we get into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Um, and as always, we we really, really appreciate your support. Um, I will ask, and, and it's asked a couple times throughout this podcast, so I'm going to just do it again. Um, we lost everything when we um, pulled the podcast uh, from the original format. So uh, to really, really, really help us out, now more than ever, subscribing, um, sharing, downloading, doing whatever you can to help us get our podcast out there uh, is super, super important. Uh, our monetization rights are gone because uh, we don't have a listener uh, track record, um, and it, it really, really helps us out when you guys do the, you know, the liking, the sharing, the subscribing, the all of that. Um, so now more than ever, I know that everybody whores out and asks, you know, please like, and I, I get that. Um, but it would really mean the world to us and we appreciate all of you. Um, so without further ado, I bring you the returning episode of the Nasty Guard podcast. Chaos 1, this is Chaos 1 Actual. You officially tuned in to the Nasty Guard podcast. We're back. We did it. Wait, 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 wait. Dude, it's been so fucking long. Forever. Uh, I would say easily a year. I'm pretty sure, yeah. So, uh, tragedy struck in uh, our our little break. Everything is gone. Gone. It, uh, we are we are starting from square one. Uh, turns out. If you don't pay these cocksuckers, they take all of your data and they just throw it to the wind. So, Go on, reduce to atoms. Yeah. So what that means, if you're uh, a returning uh, podcast guest, is a couple things. Uh, first of all, you guys might have to resubscribe, uh, do whatever the fuck it was that you were doing before. Uh, but more now than ever, like sharing and helping us get the podcast out there is like super fucking important because we're back to square one. Like the more people we can get the podcast to, the more people we can help out. Um, I've got old episodes, so I might trickle old episodes in 
here and there, some of them would be super fucking irrelevant, but uh, some of them are just hilarious and uh, they need to be on here. So, um, but yeah, how, how have you, how have you been, pal? I know just trying to survive inflation like everyone else. <laughs> no, I kid. I've been, I've been good. Just enjoying being retired and spending time with friends, getting some camping in. It's been good. Hell yeah. You guys still have good weather in Georgia right now? No. Um, it started going bad yesterday, about zero nine. Um, really, really windy. Lots of rain and actually a thunderstorm yesterday, which is weird for the winter time. Um, tornado watches for a while. I was watching some movie about post-apocalyptic stuff and nuclear bomb goes off and then my phone goes off at the same time. Like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> oh my lord the russians are here <laughs> i heard it's been um, up in the midwest and northwest yeah man it's so we're we're like it's we're starting to get hit but it's gonna get so much worse like the end of this week it's like the high of negative 22 like i i fuck That's this it. i i've got i've I've got plans on getting out of here very, very soon, and I'll, I guess I'll slow roll those in, and we can we can share. Um, but uh, being that this is essentially a brand new podcast, uh, I guess we should introduce ourselves. So you can uh, you can start start out, tell the people uh, about your experience in the National Guard and all that that jazz. All right, um, I'm Ados or Corey, whichever one depending on if you're a meme follower, just a fan of the pod. Um, Joined the Army back in 2005. Did most of my time in the Georgia Guard as an 11 Bravo. Uh, Got two deployments out of it. The um, education benefits were super nice, even though I've managed to kind of squabble most of them away with nothing to show for it. Um, Yeah, then I started a, a meme page like right as I was getting out and caught some traction and then one day i saw somebody was beefing with a meme page called nasty guard and i was like all right i'm in started beefing and then you and i became friends and here we are yeah yeah so uh because you were on ados orders for fucking ever (laughs) yeah at the end of your career yeah like i'd say i spent probably from April of 2020 until June of 2022 on ADOS terminal ADOS. <laughs> yeah. That is fucking wild. Well, yeah, it was uh, our our meeting was comical, and I'm sure most people that are going to tune in uh, are aware of it. But yeah, it was uh, there was multiple people using the nasty guard name on Instagram. And I had bought a fucking LLC and a domain name to start this podcast, <laughs> started an Instagram, uh, spent a couple hundred bucks and then uh, look in the DMs and it's just a bunch of meme pages shitting down my throat. So, um, Welcome to yeah, Instagram. It, it, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they were upset because I was using a, a name that one of their buddies was using. Uh, and that that guy actually ended up being uh, the first person to ever come on the podcast. Very first. So, 
Yeah, the OG OG. Nasty Garden. His that vape. was a. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was I totally a forgot about interview. That. Nasty Garden. His vape. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like we were talking to Darth Vader, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you and me met through there. Uh, so I guess some background on me. Um, joined the uh, National Guard in uh, late 2017, early 2018. Uh, joined as a scout. Uh, did did some time in the Washington Guard. Uh, came out to uh, the Montana Guard, um, and I've been with an infantry unit out here doing infantry shit the entire time I've been out here. Um, they don't give a fuck about my MOS and, uh, this is where they could put me. So, um, spent, uh, spent a couple of months just humping machine gun. And that was basically my, my entire task. Uh, and then became a cadet, uh, started ROTC. I'm a nursing student at, uh, Montana state university, uh, was trying to essentially get an IST transfer complete and, uh, walked into the ROTC office cause I saw someone in uniform that might be able to give me a contact and, uh, they got me. Yeah. So yeah, been, uh, been a cadet for fuck almost two years now. And, uh, I commission in May. And uh, we'll be commissioning into the Army Reserve, making the jump over. Uh, and I will be uh, commissioning into the Nursing Corps. I will be working as a critical care nurse for the Army Reserve. So uh, nice. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a whirlwind, man. It's been like so much has happened since this last podcast. Like, and I, I guess it'll all just kind of leak out as time goes on. But like, so much. So much has happened. I've gone to a, a couple schools and just, it's just been fucking chaos. But uh, first time in probably like three years that I've been able to like take a breath from army shit and just kind of chill and focus on my education and, and finish out this last semester of school. So that's been nice. Um, technically right now I'm actually at AT. So uh, making some money. To podcast. Yeah. Good old eight. Um so yeah, that's uh that's that's what we got. Um we I think we've had a format in the past and we're gonna try and st stick to it, I guess. Uh, I, I don't know. Um so you had um some stuff that you wanted to talk about, I had some stuff that I wanted to talk about, and then uh, we had a couple things that we had like kind of mutually sent back and forth. So you said you had some stuff going on in Georgia, right? What, uh, what, what um, so I was just trying to find stuff for us to talk about, trying to find some relevant guard news going on. So I just typed in, you know, national guard <laughs> on Google national guard news and, um, just started going through. And, um, I thought this was a joke a couple of years ago, but, one of uh, the PLs in my original unit, Will Carraway, um, he was a lieutenant, and I think he just retired as a major. He stood up a uh, military history unit in the Georgia National Guard. Like, it's him, a couple other people that have, like, history degrees and um, photography degrees and stuff. 
and uh it's a legit it's a legit unit has an mto and everything and um they're about to hop the pond to go uh to southwest asia on a military history deployment (laughs) 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 whatever that means um i thought that was kind of cool like i don't know if every state has one but um my understanding of it like when i saw him do post some stuff on facebook was he would go to um he was on agr i think right so this was all government funded but he would go to like different relevant sites to the georgia national guard for maybe it was like a civil war site or um he would highlight a certain battle from world war one or world war two that we took place in or something um but it was all about you know enhancing the knowledge of uh state specific stuff um but i thought that was pretty cool i was like man what a what a day in time because you normally think like you know if you're a, a journalist in the army so to speak like you're just basically like a combat camera person right like we just send you to fob such and such to go ask questions um but it's pretty cool that they like go and actually document stuff and try to tell their side of the story i guess that that is rad um i don't i i don't know of any other state that has something like that but it's cool it's it's nerdy as shit but it is cool um i don't wonder if it's not like somehow tied to recruiting and retention they're like hey like you know obviously we need you know the the war fighter but if we can get more intelligent able-bodied people in the guard uh that are maybe you know history majors or you know like you said like they're you know their pao or or whatever that can come in and and contribute even if it's not in that war fighting function uh if we can try and recruit them into some more i guess fun jobs yeah i mean if you think about it for, not fun for me but fun fun for him that would be if cool. you think about it it you could be a pretty like if the army treated journalism kind of like the civilian world and once you joined and you know if you weren't the pao for whatever organization like if they literally just sent you around and were like okay generate um army friendly stories soldier friendly stories family friendly stories that all involved the military and stuff like yeah it's somewhat cringy whenever you see it on instagram and stuff but i bet you could get like a pretty solid footing in journalism to jump to the civilian world um in the military, specifically the guard, because you could still go to school and stuff while you were doing yeah. it. But yeah, I don't know, man. I just thought like it would be cool if every state had one, and I'm sure in some capacity they do, right? But this was crazy that it was actually like a company, <laughs> a whole company. <laughs> yeah, it's not like one guy sitting at a desk. Yeah, no. And to be honest, that's what I thought it was. I thought that um, <laughs> Major Caraway pulled a quick one on the army and got, you know, greenlit to do (laughs) a project basically. And I was like, man, that's sick. Like I'm not downplaying it at all. Like it was awesome, but that I literally had a vision of just him and his civvies or his ACUs sitting in a desk at joint force headquarters somewhere. And just like, well, I guess this week I'm going to go down to Benning and film the boys at the range. But to see that it actually has a command structure and I was like, Oh, you know, that's a. Uh, that's pretty cool. I wouldn't have imagined it. But. That is, that is, uh, that is pretty rad. Um, 
the, I don't know. I feel like the Army's starting to... There, I mean that it could be tied to recruiting or, or and retention, but like, did you hear? Did you hear the? You know who Craig Morgan is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, first of all, my my name's Craig. My girlfriend's name's Morgan. So uh, big fans, big fans in this household. Um, secondly, this motherfucker joined the Army Reserve. Like any he, like fifty eight or something fifty eight fifty nine yeah yeah <laughs> he's old as shit dude that's how like the army they're sitting down in these recruiting and retention meetings and they're just like we got to come up with something and instead of like hey what if we let them have beards they're like what if we went and got Craig Morgan <laughs> to join, so join the fucking army reserve. The story with him is like it's crazy because I saw him in concert um at basic training in 2006. It was a July what? 4th concert, yeah, and everyone in the company that oh. had a PT score of like 290 or above got to go and I had a 293. <laughs> so they were like, "Yep, you and it was like me and 15 dudes in the entire uh, company got to go." Um but we were walking around like dorks with your little, you know, two cord on, all that stuff. Um, but, you know, no BS, Craig Morgan's there, right? And then, um, and yeah, you know, I, I used to be in the Army. And I'm looking at this dude, and I'm like, you're 30. You used to be in the Army. It's 2006. I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt and say that you didn't get out during the GWAT because you were like, yeah, nah. Um, I was like, so, you know, go for it, whatever. That's cool. But same thing that you just said, like months ago, I got, got a message from somebody and I can't remember who. And it was like, did you see they let this, you know, 60 year old country music star join? <laughs> and I was like, wow. And then I remembered he had prior service. So um, for him to be eligible age wise without like and let's let's be real. He's a country music star. He's going to get whatever waiver he wants. But. They made waivers for this motherfucker. They had yeah, to. but if he um, if he is fifty five, let's just use that as a, a round number. Then he would have to have um, right at about fifteen years of service to count to dock towards his age. Because every year of service you have is a year off your age once you get above thirty five. So he is fifty nine years old, Sheesh. and he has. Yeah, he has 17 years of army service between the between active duty and army. Bro, ain't no way they're about to let um, this guy get back in and retire, <laughs> so he can get dry hair and stuff when he's a literal country music star and has millions. This dude's about to file bro, a this is fucking everything. Watch <laughs> this just in. This Wounded is Warrior Project. Uh, Craig Morgan is a hundred percent disabled, <laughs> service connected, and it's like, yeah, for what, dude? For what they're like uh arthritis and it's like yeah man, i believe it well he's fucking 60 so. <laughs> right team geritol gets another one so he had um 17 years of army and army reserves uh service uh serving with the 101st airborne and 82nd airborne uh division as a staff sergeant and fire support specialist uh, his schools and badges include Airborne, Air Assault, Repel Master, um, and he's now, he's now returning through the Army Reserves, uh, and he is a potential warrant officer candidate. He's going to be a 13 series warrant. That's nutty. 
No, why would you need a 13 what? series warrant in the reserve though? There's no combat arms there. No, you definitely don't. You definitely I'm don't. Surprised well, that he's like, not I don't coming even think back he's in be as a... like a I don't know what what officer is an admin officer because 42 Alpha is just like an admin person. But I would expect them to bring him yeah. in and like branch him as freaking quartermaster or something and then he ends up uh leading the army band. Or whatever, like no, 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 no. that's what I was gonna say. I don't wonder if there's not like an army band course. position. Put him on that cheesy <laughs> 82nd Airborne America's Got Talent thing. Like just just send him up there and be like representing the US Army, Craig Morgan. If he doesn't win, we end his enlistment. <laughs> no, if he doesn't win, he is an eleven Bravo and he's gotta go active duty for the rest yeah, of Yeah, demoted. He's demoted all the way back to E4. No, not that's too easy. E E two. We'll give him a step up. Oh, here bottom, we go. But a couple steps below. So did a quick Google search here. Warrant officer bandmasters. Military occupational specialty four two zero Charlie. Jesus, warrant officers are weird. Uh, are Charlie. responsible nice. for unit level command. <laughs> And control of their bands. So maybe I don't know. Maybe that's the yeah, dude's gonna have gonna a be some dickhead ODD operational detachment band. Sick. Um, but yeah, Craig Morgan's back in the army reserve. So dude, if Craig Morgan could be a part timer, I'm just saying I don't want to hear shit from anybody. Yeah, that's and that's the thing is like we're obviously hurting for people. Even if it, they've come out and said we're hurting for people super bad, but like sometimes I wonder, I don't, I don't like the phrase all PR is good PR or like all media is good media because it's not. Um, That's been ruined in the past like five years. That theory no longer works because you can get canceled. Right. But that's the thing is like, yeah, it's cool that we're seeming like we're more of an accepting branch and we'll take 50 you know 60 year old dudes but um the flip side of that coin is people looking and going wow <laughs> they're letting 60 year old dudes in <laughs> what's next the draft you know like, yeah yeah and i think i think it does uh it downplays some of the the seriousness of a military obligation you know when they're like hey we're just gonna bring this guy in as like a as a, a talking head to sit up here and, you know, if I can serve, you can serve or what the fuck ever. Like that just, it, I feel like it degrades the actual, you know, it is a serious commitment, whether you're a part-timer or active duty, like you are potentially making an agreement that could lead to, you know, tragedy. And uh, I don't know. I feel like something like that downplays it. And like he, you know, he, he's rewearing the uniform, which this is not, discrediting anything he did prior but he's he's rewearing the uniform um in a situation where he knows that uh that uniform's never gonna really call on him anymore you know like he there's no there's no real obligation to what he's doing um and everybody else that wears that uniform minus craig morgan knows that there's some you know there's some fuckery that could take place at any point and all of a sudden like i'm going to be wearing this uniform a whole hell of a lot more yeah like and that's another thing is you know that he's not getting called up for hurricane response not to do anything hard he's going to get called up and paraded around like a dog and pony show 
It'll be a yeah, commercial exactly. op every time he shows up. <laughs> I'm just picturing like digging a fire line here in like northern Montana and like digging a fire line, sweating my cock off. It's the middle of August. And I like look over and it's just cr- fucking 60 year old Craig Morgan just singing his little chain gang. Fucking dude. Dude, I can imagine pulling up to, uh, pulling up in like three discolored Humvees and getting out and seeing a group of people and being like, what's that? And being like, oh, that's just Craig Morgan. He's here to shoot Citizen Soldier, the country version. <laughs> I'd give it a listen. Um, so what else? We uh this so something that I learned and we you and you and I both learned this. Um our audience, yes, we definitely pull a lot of reservists, a lot of National Guardsmen, uh, but we also like we have like Navy, Air Force, Marines, some of them part-time, some of them active duty that listen. Um, So one thing we're going to try to do is trickle in a little bit of uh, other branch news. Uh, And I think it makes for a little bit more interesting um, content. But uh, when it comes to – because something that we we do, if this is your first time listening to a podcast – uh, our podcast. I'd hope this isn't your first experience ever with a podcast. It is run. 2024. Um, but something we do is we like to bring people on from um, different walks of uh, National Guard, Army Reserve, part-timers. Uh, we've had part-time Marines on. Uh, but the, the idea is the people we're going to interview are part-timers. Um, we've had some full-time guys on. And really, when we when we bring those folks on, Uh, It's because they're a part of a program or something we think could be valuable to the audience and something that we do um, through this podcast that we're going to continue to do and expand on even more uh, than we did previously is bringing people on uh, that are subject matter experts on benefits, whether it be financial, education, um, your VA benefits, um, stuff like that, programs within, you know, active duty and part-time army uh we had uh, a captain that was like the head of the h2f uh which is the health and human performance shit that the army's trying to do um we've had we've had all sorts of people on i mean we've had command sergeant majors on that were retired that went back and are doing some like recruiting stuff that we had to that was a do you remember that interview i like he like pussyfooted around for so long saying like, yeah, the army's all fucked up right now. And then finally, after like a two hour interview in, in the last like 10 minutes of the interview was like, yeah, everything's fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he thought we weren't recording anymore or what, but he just like fucking dropped the hammer and was like, yeah, no, we're, we're all fucked. It's over. <laughs> Back it in. <laughs> but yeah, we we there. There's going to be portions of the podcast that are news. There's going to be portions of it that are super educational. Uh, we've got a couple other little like news stories and stuff we'll go over, uh, and then we will uh, we'll talk about the interview we got coming to you guys this week. So, next uh, story we got comes from the U.S. Navy. Mm-hmm. Um, this gentleman was, and I think I think this is a low punishment. Uh, but the sailor uh, was there's a U.S. Navy sailor that was sentenced to just over two years in prison for accepting bribes from a Chinese officer. Um, 
if yeah, and I won't I won't bore you guys with all the details. Um, he received fourteen payments of totaling about fifteen thousand dollars. So it's not a lot of money, and I don't like I'm not real sure what a twenty six year old what what rank was he. I don't, not that I would know either way, because it's going to be a Navy rank. Um, he was a construction elect, electrician, a th- third class. Uh, I'm assuming that's a naval rank. Sounds like it to me. Yeah, I, I don't fucking know. But, um, yeah, construction electrician, third class, uh, Wenhang Zhao. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't sound uh, sense at all. Yeah, that's who I would target if I was going to bribe someone as well. <laughs> uh, but he, uh, he, he essentially he gave up all the secrets that a 26-year-old construction electrician in the United States Navy could give up, which I'm sure so many, uh, on behalf of essentially 14 payments of about a thousand bucks. Not a great look. This is a. Uh, this is not the first time this has happened. Like very recently, this is this is starting to become like a like a move. Did you see? Uh, uh, there was Texas A and M is in trouble, like the college because they uh, were giving nuclear access to the Qataris. <laughs> what? Yeah, they have. Um, apparently, Qatar was paying them big bucks to, I guess, teach them. I'm not the smartest person, so my interpretation of the article could be far off. But to me, it read like Texas A&M was conducting nuclear research and nuclear weapons research and had the Qataris involved, which there's not exactly much of a problem with that as long as it's signed off by the right people. Um, But they basically gave Qataris the control of the program. And (laughs) you're talking about like billions of dollars that they were kicking to Texas A&M for... I don't want to say nuclear secrets, but like crucial nuclear information that not everybody has. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Come on, man. Uh, and then, I mean, we had the, we had the, there's the air, air national guardsman. Was that last year? Uh, the, the kid that leaked the, Oh yeah. The dirty little secrets. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we were doing the podcast that time, but like, yeah, he, he fucking and he list li- like leaked it through like a Discord channel. War Thunder. Uh, yeah, it's I, I don't. It's always those it, those War Thunder kids. It's a it's, it's War Thunder. I don't uh, I don't understand the uh, fourteen thousand dollars in exchange for if you get caught you're fucked for good. Yeah, I don't. You gotta pay me more. You bribe me. This is this is uh my offer, okay? One and a half million dollars. I'll tell you what uh, ROTC cadets are doing for fucking PT next week. So, but it's gonna cost you one and a half. Yeah, one point five, easy. But yeah, so uh, a homeboy shit the bed, and now he's gonna sit in jail for a while. Um. We'll go to the the other one here. This is a smaller uh, uh, article, but uh, and this is actually super interesting because I have set up a interview with someone that will be able to speak on this quite a bit. 
Uh, but the VA is uh, going to fund research on using MDMA, psilocybin, uh, MDMA and psilocybin to address mental health disorders in the veteran community. Um, I'll be honest, man, like this is some of like the greatest success stories I've heard when it comes to PTSD, anxiety, stuff like that. It's it's utilizing, you know, some of these substances and talk therapy, uh, I think. Like with anything, it's a you know it's a slippery slope. It's uncharted territory. There's going to be people that fuck it up, abuse it. There's going to be situations where it goes wrong. But I mean, if you look at our current system, <laughs> nothing wrong with trying. It's fucked too. Nothing wrong with trying and, for sure. Do it for yeah, me, like let, let's like a hundred percent. Oh yeah, that well, uh, and it needs it needs to. I mean. We're behind the times on that one, but uh, the fact that the VA is even looking into something like this, like that's a, it's a, it's awesome. It's a good sign. Uh, the folks that they, I want to bring on to the podcast actually own a veteran organization where they um, bring people out to do therapy uh, and they utilize uh, psilocybin for some of their talk therapy that they do. Um, and they've, they've had really, really good results. Um They've had people that have, you know, gone through all the counseling that the VA's offered. They've done the ganglion block. They've done, you know, exposure therapy. They've done everything and they show up and they're like, I, I don't know what the fuck else to do. And they walk out of there uh, better off. So anything we can do that fuck dude, if it might work, let's give it a shot. Yeah. We owe it to people to at least try. Yeah, for sure. Um, And then the last story everyone has fucking heard about this is the the talk of the town and um it's not directly military i guess it's somewhat um but we're going to talk about the pentagon and their failure to notify the white house uh when uh the defense secretary was going in for a little a little heart surgery did you hear about this i'm assuming you've heard about this yeah an elective surgery by uh, General Austin or whatever, and he disappeared for like 36 hours or something. Not a good look. Yeah. Not a good look, especially right now. I mean, at, at any point, having somebody that's vital to the secession of the chain of command and all that other stuff and not knowing where that person is, like, that's never a good look, right? Because in even at the lowest levels of the military, what are you always taught? Where's your buddy? Yeah. Know where your buddy is. Um, <laughs> and you think he's he's got a staff. He's got like hundreds of people who are clued into his daily schedule, so to speak, for him to just like straight up disappear. Yeah, it's not a it's not a good look because I mean that's it doesn't send a good it doesn't set a good example. That's for sure. Um, you know, accountability doesn't isn't um, monopolized by the lower enlisted or the NCO ranks. You know, it's something that's uniform from the top to the bottom. One of the things that I kind of enjoy about um, when I listen to my Marine friends talk is Marines can spot check anybody in the Marine Corps, right? Because accountability is the, you know, a tenant of any Marine in the Army. You know, we can't really do that. <laughs> you can't just walk up to whoever and be like you know hey sir you you don't look good or you know like hey you you gotta step it up dude y'all fuck yeah up. like you can't you can't do that so it's 
it's not a good look <laughs> at all to just ghost it, you know? That is true about the Marine Corps, though, because like, if you think about it, right, uh, like if a, a Marine goes up to another Marine that's getting fat, and regardless of ranks, like, hey, motherfucker, you're getting fat, like, no one else in the chain of command is going to look at a fat Marine and be like, oh, well, you know, he shouldn't have said that to yeah, you. Yeah, no, they're that's not going to coddle him. They're just going to be like, performer, you know, get, you know, get out. No, they're going to be like, no. Yeah, you are fat. We're in the Army, like, I'm thinking, like, you know, I, I walk up to a company commander that's fucking chubby and out of shape and fucking sucks at PT, and you're like, hey, sir, uh, you look like shit. Uh, you're, you're, you know, violating all of our height and weight standards, uh, and it's a problem. And if you're, you know, e even if you're, let's say you're a E6, E7 type, you go up and fucking say that, that's going to go horribly. Like, you're fucked. And if anybody outside of him hears that, it's that's a wrap. It's over. Still yeah. there? I just don't understand. Uh, Looks like we just DC'd. I just don't understand how... I don't like how people pick and choose when the rules apply. Like that, That's what I hate about accountability um, when it fails, right? Is That's the only way to hold the people that govern you and the people that lead you to their task is accountability, right? They have to own what they're doing. And part of that, part of being a good leader um, is the be no do to throw an army thing out there. Um, and the first thing of that is literally be like, be the leader <laughs> that you want, you know, to be and be the leader that your troops deserve. And to me, like the highest echelon of command, basically being like, yeah, nah, the rules don't apply. I'm just going to go do that. That's not cool. It doesn't set a good example. And like, if we're calling a spade a spade, everybody's had a problem with the dude for a few years now because he was in a place where he could affect where we sent troops while also having stock in a lot of companies that almost exclusively supply <laughs> the military. Um, so, you know, he was... Yeah, yeah. I like to think that his integrity... Um, and the army values came through and he wasn't making decisions with people's lives to line his pocket. But, you know, that's, that's something for him and the man upstairs to talk about one day, but um, it's just, it's, it's really not a good look, really not a good look at all. Especially when people no, no, and I, I, the government as they are right now. Exactly. Like in, in this moment in time, like, ah, fuck 40 years ago, you might have been able to get away with that. I would say over the last 20 years, you've had a very real reason you needed to be at work. And over the past like three years, people are so, you know, they lack confidence in our government so much to know that like they just let some guy like check out and go get a certain. It's just, and come the on, thing man. is, like, like, you got to know, you got to know better. You know that. how hard it is to get an elective surgery as a lower enlisted? or as an NCO or no a low shit. ranking officer, like you have, you, most times you need like a Colonel or a one-star general to sign off on it. Who signs off on his, yeah. you know what I mean? Like the president, yeah, dude, 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 just roll out the yeah. president's doctor. Well, that's, that's the hangup. That's the hangup is that he never like, I just, I can't, 
And like, you know, the everybody knows this too. The assistant was in like Puerto Rico or something. Like the the person that would have filled that void for him is in like Puerto Rico, completely unaware this is fucking happening. Like I just and I I, I don't know if it's well, I'm assuming we're gonna find out. I don't know if it's just being negligent, being ignorant, um if it was I can't, I can't, I guess my point is I can't imagine a situation where he would intentionally be trying to like tiptoe around getting this surgery. Right. I, I, I think it's just like, you know, I'm very important. I'll do what the fuck I want and didn't think about the, the potential repercussions. Yeah. I could see that being the case as well as him just being like, uh, he, you know, and he could have told somebody and somebody could, you know, it's around the holiday season. People are on holiday block leave. People have been drinking for weeks. Like, he, somebody just dropped. Yeah, he might have told Sergeant Doofus that he was going to be doing this, and he was like, "Yeah, I got you, sir. Roger that." And then, you know, a week later, Sergeant Doofus is drunk on his couch watching football, and they're like, uh, "Hey, where's Sec Def?" And he's like, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't know, man. I hadn't heard from him. Must have been a week now. <laughs> I know he wanted to get some procedure done, but he wouldn't go do that without telling me. I'm his bestest buddy." Uh, what I'll say is, is that regardless if he told someone that or not, uh, someone will be set on fire for oh, this. Literally. I can like it. It hasn't happened yet, but it, it is going to be somebody's fault. He even if he didn't, he told so and so that he was going. It was supposed to be reported. Somebody dropped the ball. It's I like that's just the my my prediction, but I feel like it's also a pretty safe bet. Uh, at least one person is going to get super duper in trouble for this at least one yeah 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 absolutely so um yeah that's that's all we have for uh news for y'all um but i do have i have a story uh that you have not even been made privy to because it happened so so recently like i you ever <laughs> you ever have something happen and you're like, man, I was intentionally put in this place right now. Like this was this was very important for me to experience. Um, that just happened today. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so I had to drive to. I had to go. My fucking mic didn't show up. I had to go pick up my old mic from my storage unit. My way back, I stopped by uh, a, a bar that my my girlfriend works at. Dropped some stuff off. And she, I walk in and it was very weird. She goes, like, we like make small talk. And then she's like, Mike, she's like, show Craig your, uh, your military ID. And I'm like, I, I immediately, I'm like, why the fuck do I need this? Like, what's, and I can see on her face that she's like, she's very interested in my response to seeing this. So this guy pulls it out. And he's old, old motherfucker. And he goes, uh, he goes, I, I guarantee you, you've never seen one of these before. So he joined the Marine Corps in uh, nineteen sixty-eight, I think he said, Ooh. and shows me his basic training ID. Okay, uh, I, I it's obviously not a thing anymore today. Um, 
but I like I'm looking at this thing and immediately there's some like red flags, right? Uh, for those of not to spoil this story for you, but for those of you that know me, like when it comes to stolen valor, man, like I could really give a fuck. Like somebody that most of the time when you see somebody doing that, like they're in such a fucked up place that like if that's you know what gets them a fucking dopamine hit or whatever, like nine times out of ten, it's somebody that's like legit mentally. Yeah, Ill. most of the time they're just trying I, to get food or something. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Um, but in this situation, and you know, I recently quit nicotine, and there's a couple couple reasons I could get ramped up a little easier. But in this situation, for some reason, like the red flags started popping up. And I started getting more like upset and he, I like look at it and this ID, like you can clearly see that it was like, it was re laminated. And when it was re laminated, there was a picture placed over it. Like somebody else's picture. Um, whatever. Maybe that's, you know, it's fucking 1969. Maybe that's how it goes. Um, and it's got his signature and stuff on it, a couple other things. And I'm like, oh, cool. Like, hey, thanks, man. Appreciate like thank you for your service. Whatever. And like he prefaced when he was pulling this out. He goes, Are you in the military? Or were you in the military? I was like, Well, I'm you know, I'm, I'm currently in. And I have a hunch he did that in order to like how much information should I let out? Yeah. You know, Agent like this somebody can stop. Exactly. Like if you're a civilian, I'll fucking tell you I was Marsock. But <laughs> if not, I might have to reel this in. So he puts it away, whatever. We're not talking about it at all. I'm talking to, to my girlfriend again and he pulls it back out and then he pulls his ID out and he goes, you know, some people don't think that I was really in. And he goes, but look at the signature. And he pulls his driver's license and this this card back out and slides them over to me. And now I'm like, something's fucking up. Okay. Nobody, no, like nobody contested him. Nobody, I didn't say shit. I, I, honestly, at this point, I was like, it's a little suspicious, but whatever. But now I'm like, something's up. So I start to, to dig a little bit. I was like, so what'd you do in the Marine Corps? And he like kind of stumbles a little bit. And he's like, well, you know, I was an 03. A uh, hundred. He goes, you know, a, a rifleman. And I was like, well, that's an 0311. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. And he's like, well, when I was on active duty after uh, BCT uh, at Camp Pendleton, I was an 0300. And my dad was a Navy marksman and he taught me how to shoot. So I was the best shot at basic training. Because of that, uh, I, I was put in an all sniper unit Ooh. and I was, I'm, I was like, I was like a whole unit of snipers. He's like, yeah. A whole unit of snipers. I was like that. Could you imagine if it, like a company size element of all markets? It's like Lurs. I think it's just, you, it's just not, not that is, that is true. Uh, Lurs, Lurs is a li it's close. Um, so they, <laughs> we we keep talking, and he still hasn't told me what his job was in the Marine Corps. Uh, an O three hundred is like a, 
an infantry recruit. Yeah, somebody at basic training. But he still hasn't told me what his job was. And he's he's going on. He's like, yeah, you know, I had all this sniper training, and I was a sniper. I was a sniper. And he goes, but they never sent me to Vietnam. And I, I'm like thinking about the timeline here, and I'm like, the Vietnam War didn't end for America until 1975. Yeah, oh yeah. You're gonna tell you're gonna tell me that we trained this lethal killer, and for six years we were like, just let's just leave him in garrison. Yeah, you know, but bless civilians' hearts for thinking that um, basic training accolades get you some sort of respect, <laughs> some sort of yeah. some sort of cred. Like, good on them for thinking that freaking basic training accolades are like drink worthy things to bring up at the bar. You know what? To be honest <laughs> with you, like if I met a stolen valor dude that was bragging about basic training, I'd probably buy him a drink just off that. So I'd be like, you know, like <laughs> of all the stories you could be telling, you're not doing war, which is nice. That's true. That is true. You're not special That's operations. True. He's got some class. You know, like you you're you're towing the line of wanting like being special operations, but like you know, you're you're keeping it pretty vanilla. You're keeping it conventional, at least. You know, not very often do us conventional kids get uh, stolen valored. Everyone wants to be a Navy SEAL or Green Beret or a Ranger or Task Force Delta or, or it's classified. You know, so at least this dude was was uh at least in in the right zip code. I'll say. This is what what I what I would assume is that he was a basic training dropout because he had like just enough of the story to where you're like oh well, and then and which those are I didn't from other people I've heard like report on stolen valor shit that's actually really most of the time that's who it is oh yeah it's it, it's individuals that didn't make the cut in the most basic portion of the military process and then they come out and they just like keep running with it. And they're like, no, I'm still in. I'm still, um, but yeah, it was, it was, and he like, this, this is the part that pissed me off. I know which part pissed me off. He goes, uh, so what do you do in, uh, in the army? And he like starts talking shit about like army Marine Corps, you know? And he's like, so what do you do in the army? I was like, Oh, like I was a calf scout. And like, now I'm going, you know, I'm going to go be a critical care nurse after I commission in May. And he's like, oh, well, what was your rank? And like me and him start going over that. And he's like, well, he's like, here's the thing. He goes, you've never been to Marine Corps basic training. And I was like, this motherfucker. I was like, you're actually going to sit here and talk shit like you're hard when everyone sitting here listening to you knows you're full of shit. I get I go back to my car. And I grab something. I'm going to bring it back in for uh, my girlfriend, Morgan. And as I'm walking up, I go, your buddy Mike wasn't a Marine. And she goes, she goes, I know. She goes, I've been listening to him make shit up for an hour and a half. And I wanted you to hear it. I was like, fuck you. Don't, <laughs> don't drag me into this shit. How dare you. <laughs> but yeah, that it was one of those moments where I was like, I am on my way to do a podcast. And this just falls into my lap. Yeah, that's um man, I hadn't I hadn't really had any stolen valor anything happen in such a long time. Like the cringiest stuff I get around here is just uh AIT kids running around in shirts that say 
you know, one one nineteen infantry from basic training, and then you're like, yeah, bro, are you infantry? And they're like, no, I, you know, I got this shirt at a uh, basic, but you know, in the army, every soldier's a rifleman. It, you know, I'm past the point of heckling kids now. I just let everybody live their life in peace for the most part. So I'm just like, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just give them like a little head nod and a, an awkward, yeah. But, you know, it could be worse. They could be like, no, actually, I'm a 25 Romeo, and I'm on a super secret death squad stationed out of Fort Gordon. <laughs> if I told you about it, I'd have to kill you. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, don't worry about me, big dog. I won't blow your cover. Yeah, OPSEC and stuff, yeah. you know. Speaking of uh, OPSEC, what, what's kind of funny um, that dude I mentioned er- earlier that runs the uh, Georgia Military History Unit or whatever, during the 19 deployment, he uh, took a picture of Main Body 1 leaving the airport um, at Hunter and tagged it and <laughs> posted their entire travel itinerary for the next 24 hours and was like, oh, yeah, fuck. dude, it, was, um, it even made a U.S. Army uh, WTF moments because he... Um, they were like, wow, OPSEC anybody? And then, of course, I think I was on like main body four or something. So I was a couple of days after that. And he was on, <laughs> he was on the tarmac taking pictures and stuff. And then um, I knew him. And I walked over there and was like, hey, sir, uh, you know, this ain't no 09. Can't be taking pictures like that anymore. And he was like, oh, <laughs> it wasn't me, you know, like uh, like some private posted it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, likely story. Um yeah, but that dude is hands down one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Like I think I met him initially five months before the deployment, and he had started learning Pashto and Dari specifically for the deployment. And then I would say by the time that we got home, let's say eighteen months later, um, he had a very very like solid working knowledge of Pashto and Dari, like we would bring him into Shura's and just let him sit there and jot stuff down and pass it to us. And we'd be like, Oh, interesting. Yeah. He's, he's good people. It's uh, it's funny. I, I, I find that, um, like every unit has like a couple NCOs that like everybody's like, that's one of the smartest fucking dudes I know. Like they're squared away. It's like one of the smartest fucking dudes I know. And then every unit has like one PL, like one one individual PL that everybody's like, dude, that that guy is shit hot. And then all the other ones, like, I, I mean, obviously you do have like absolute shit garbage PLs, but the other ones are just usually just not mentionable. You know, there's just not anything of of value to bring up. But there's always one, like within a a large group of soldiers. There's always like one PL that's like that. That dude's got his fucking head on. Yeah. Luckily, on my in my last unit, I had the the good PL, the one with his head on straight, and he had been a PL for a few years, and he was on the tail end of his platoon time. But uh, he's a company commander now, and like happy, uh, happy that they're taking taking care of him. It seems like because he was he was one of the few good officers in the whole battalion. So it's nice to know that he um, he has a company command now. Part of me, like, if I was still in shape and wasn't a, a retired old man, <laughs> would be um, 
would be super thrilled to be like a platoon sergeant or a squad leader in his unit. But alas, there's an orange cat that needs to be taken care of and not privates from the Georgia National Guard as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> there's an orange cat. <laughs> Dude, the cat drives me... Um, that's my best buddy. Him and I, uh, we have some times. I've learned... Um, I got him March of 2021. Yeah, March of 21 or 22, right before I got out. And um, had him for about two years now. And we've learned each other's strengths and weaknesses. And uh, he's a handful some days. But there's a, like earlier when you said, have you ever been in a spot and you're like, man, I was meant to be here in this moment, like, I had one of those with him last night. I was as cheesy as it sounds was a uh, couldn't sleep was laying in bed, just trying to find something to watch. And he came and literally like wrapped his front paws around my arm and sat his head like on the top of my elbow and then went to sleep. And I was like, I literally took a second and was like, thank you universe. Like, thank you God for this moment. Like, this is super cool. I needed yeah. this. Um, is that the same cat that you had, like that you acquired as like a kitten kitten uh, towards the end of us recording? Um, yeah, he was probably at the end of like the super small kitten stage. He was maybe about a year old whenever I got him. Um, he's put on some weight, but he, uh, he likes to sing, you know, he likes to run around and yell and scream and. If I walk outside from, if he knows the difference between me just going outside for a minute or two and me going outside, you know, until further notice, and he'll just sit outside, like sit right in front of the door and just, ah, ah. I'm like, hey, calm down, dude. Neighbor's going to hate you. <laughs> That's awesome, man. We all, we all need, we all need friends. Yeah. He's a, he's the goodest boy. So, um, I guess we can, uh, we'll introduce our interview here. Um, so this is kind of a, I put a poll out and was like, who should we bring on the fucking podcast? Blah, blah, blah. I start getting bombarded with people saying that we need to bring on bunker bros. Have you, are you familiar with these folks? Not exactly. Okay, so um, it's a group of three gentlemen uh, that started a business. Uh, it, they're all in the Michigan Army National Guard, and they started a, a company while in Syria on deployment. Um, so uh, we've got Burke, who is an 11 Bravo. Um, we've got... Um, Eli, who is a 14-year guardsman, uh, he's got a, a pretty good stack of deployments, uh, also an 11 Bravo and 11 Charlie because it's the National Guard, and you're going to do a little bit of everything. Right. Um, and then we got Matt, who uh, he's been in the Guard for three years. Uh, he's also an 11 Bravo. Uh, and they all they all have, like, it's it's the most Guard group of friends ever. So they all have, like, different and cool and unique civilian jobs uh they're all in like different portions of their guard career 
You know, you got like the the new guy. You got the like dude that's been around the block and has more fucking deployments than he has teeth in his mouth. Um, but and then like it just the 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 group as a whole, super cool. So um, they started this this business while they were um, overseas and have just kind of ran with it since. Uh, and, but I was getting this like huge influx of people just being like, you got to bring them on. You got to bring them on. You got to bring them on. So, um, without further ado, uh, this is, uh, the, and this could be a clusterfuck. This is a fair warning. We've never had five people on the podcast. Um, so this could be an absolute fucking disaster. Uh, but without further ado, uh, we bring you bunker bros. Um, well, I guess we'll start out. I'll just have you guys introduce yourselves. Um, we'll, we'll start with you, Burke, uh, kind of just give us a background on you, um, your national guard career, uh, and your kind of your civilian, um, career as well. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Burke. I'm a uh, six in the Michigan guard. I joined up in 2011, did basic in 12 and, uh, did my first deployment to Iraq and, 16, 17, uh, took a year off to go with a private company to Afghanistan in 2020 and 21. So I got to deal with that whole fall thing. And then I just went with Eli to Syria in 2022, 23. Um, outside the guard, I do counter drug and I kind of went on and off counter drug and like, like jobs. So I do like a lot of intelligence jobs. Um, I was a private security contractor for a while. I was an intelligence analyst for the DEA for a while. I was a third-party contractor for the DEA. And uh, now I just work counter-drug for the state of Michigan under the National Guard. So I do analytics. I, I find people all day. That's what I do. Um, Guard-wise, I'm a squad leader. I just got up a weapons squad. I'm hoping after this deployment, after everyone's done like leaving, because you know how it is after a deployment, everyone just like leaves the battalion or like you end up with like one dude in the company that was in the company before. Um, so it's, I think, probably going to be weapon squad for me again. And looking at my seven here, hopefully in the next couple of months, I got SLC coming up in March. But that's about it. Dope. Dope. Weapon squad leader is like, that's the the greatest that's job. Huge. The army. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Best yeah. job. Yeah. By far. Um, and then Eli, let's, uh, what's, what's your background? Kind of what's your, your story? Yeah, so I'm like the old man of the group for Bunker Bros. I mean, Matt and I are the same age. I've just been in the military a lot longer. I did four years active duty Marine Corps, went to Iraq. I was there 04, 08, and then got out a few months later. Guard recruiter got me, who was a prior Marine as well. And I've been in the Guard since, so I'm at a total of like 19 years now of service. Uh I was a mortarman in the Marines, got out, came in the guard as 11 Bravo rifleman. And then about, oh, was it 11 years in to the guard or nine years or something? Uh, switched back to 11 Charlie mortars. Uh, just finished my fourth deployment. So I've done Iraq once, Afghanistan twice, and then Syria with Burke and Matt. And I was just a section leader. And now I'm Taking on uh, platoon sergeant duties, E7, to finish out my last couple years till I retire. Civilian side, uh, I got out of the Marine Corps in 08 when the economy was bad, so 
I used my GI Bill to make money, and I just kept going to school, making money, going to school. Ended up with a bachelor's degree uh, in criminal justice. Got into security. I was doing some uh, uh, executive protection for a short time, and then I got into security supervision and management. And then now I'm just doing uh, construction management stuff now. So, yeah, and uh, played some bands, kind of like our partner Matt, except he's done a lot more. And uh, I'm into motorcycles. I started a nonprofit called the All American Riders back in 2015. And that's it. Sweet, sweet. I what I I love about like the when I was reading your guys' bios, it is the most like guard group of friends ever like (laughs) like everybody's so diverse everybody comes from like a different background (laughs) and like varying lengths and service it's just it's it's a very typical group of like guard buddies um so that that was actually a question uh that i had for um eli uh can you tell us a little bit more about the all-american writers yeah so uh me and four other buddies, one of them I actually went to high school with. Uh, we're all veterans, and we were part of, uh, I won't say the name of the organization. It's a good organization. It's a, a veteran service organization. We were part of their writers group, and we just wanted something a little different. Um, so we're not a motorcycle club. We don't like. We're not a three patch. If you know anything about that stuff, we're just a, a single patch uh, riders club that's similar to like the VFW riders, the Legion riders. Uh, and basically, we wanted to really make a difference in our community and make a difference for each other. So, providing a place to really just hang out on the weekends or during the week and uh, help with each other's kids and be that family maybe you don't have like i i was living grew up out in california without actual family around and so i just kind of adopted friend groups that became family so and then after all these years in the military i mostly hung out with veterans uh especially after all the deployments you just really relate with each other and so we wanted to build a strong group of family um and then we actually wanted to really make a difference whether it be spending time with um, veterans and helping them out if there's physical things they couldn't do on their property or it's financially, we've been very successful in our fundraising. Um, and we've been able to help out a lot of veterans, um, financially as well. I mean, what I, I feel like it takes away if you tell everyone about what you do to help others, but, just for example, like we actually put our money where our mouth is. Like we once bought a car for an active duty Marine who their car broke down and he has a family. So we're like, Hey, here's a car. So, um, we're a small, but mighty group. You can check it out. All American riders.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, like the Oprah Winfrey of veteran motorcycle clubs. So yeah, that's that's what All American Riders is about. Great group of guys. We actually bought, helped sponsor tickets for 
a whole bunch of veterans at a soccer game down in SoCal. I think the game's tomorrow. So most of the guys are in Southern California. I'm in Michigan. We got a New York, a Pennsylvania, and one in Colorado, and one in that's Vegas. Awesome. Yeah, so that's Hell it. Yeah. Did you, uh, Corey, did you see what uh, this – I don't know why this just popped into my head. I'm assuming it's because the Marine with the broke-down car. Did you see what Adam Dorito like, posted today about the – the captain that had lost his driving privileges? No, sir. I Dude, it's that's a fuck sit- So, like, he was getting roasted on Army What the Fuck moments because he was uh, a captain on an e-bike with, like, his helmet and shoulder. Oh, and then he died? Pads. Yeah, and then he got fucking smoked and come to find out the only reason he was riding that e-bike was because he had a speeding ticket and lost on-post driving privileges. Bro, uh, not a good look. <sighs> he could have just used his Lamborghinis, bro. Come on now. Just rucking to work every morning. That's what I they make privates do. He's off. There's no way that man lives on post. <laughs> <No way. laughs> That's what they would make privates do if you think about it. Like either yeah, they, live on, or... they live on post, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, but I don't know. They're walking the 50 feet. Captain's way too good to take a bus. I'll tell you that. Man could Uber. Yeah, he's probably doing um like our AGR dudes did for a while when um I was in an HHC. Is like the S3 sergeant major, the company commander, the first sergeant, and like two other dudes from the three shop and me were all sharing a house. Like Jesus. paying like 150 bucks in rent for like this super nice house between all of us. But it was like, you know, five miles from the armory, whatever. I overslept one morning and was like, hey, you know, like, can one of y'all come get me? And they were like, no, <laughs> like, find a way. And so I literally had to, I literally had to ruck to work one day. <laughs> and uh, it was at that moment that I realized I was going to stop being friends and roommates with all of them and go find I was just going to say. <laughs> <laughs> That's when I went to my buddy in the one shop and was like, hey, bro, uh, can I live with you? And he was like, yeah, I got an extra room. You can have it. And I was like, oh, dude, that would be. That would be most fantastic. I will pay five times the amount I pay in rent to not be in this situation anymore. Buddy, and that's literally what happened. That's adulthood <laughs> is what it is. I was yeah. paying like 950 bucks a month instead of like 150 bucks a month. But I had my own room, my own bathroom, and I wasn't saying sir or sergeant major or sergeant after every sentence. So At, at home. Fuck that. At, yeah, I'm not doing that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care who you are. <laughs> I'm, I'm in fucking basketball shorts sitting on my couch. Fucking, uh, hey, uh, sir, can you throw me the remote? No, it's not happening. They didn't like my ringtone. They were like, you should probably change that. And I was like, respectfully, when you pay my phone bill, you can tell me what ring ringtone to have. And the sergeant major was like, I just don't like calling you and having some rock music blared in my ear. And I was like, well, that's the new thing, sergeant major. Then don't call me. Yeah. So I changed it to the Batman theme song. And then everyone hated that more for some reason. I, that was, dude, that was the shit, the ringbacks. Mm-hmm. It was, and then when dude, all of them expired. Yeah, yeah all so of them expired, and then everybody just had, like, the... What was the default that it would fall back to if you didn't pay the for violin. the violin? Yeah. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're like... Bro, did I just call the freaking Atlanta Orchestra hotline? Like, what is this? Bro, at least it's not that VA song. That's true. 
the hold song for the VA and oh, the military God. for the last like forty years. The doon 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 doon. That doesn't sound that bad. <laughs> I think you it, nailed it. it. Sounds better <laughs> him doing it. You yeah. know what? Um, any VA people listen to this, feel free to call me and give me a contract to record a uh, <laughs> some hold music for you. Dude, I'm going to be this honest, right? So my buddy, thing. I have a buddy who's a training NCO, and it's like an AGR gig. And um, he was like, you know, hey, hey, this is my office phone if you ever want to call me. I was like, on your office phone? So like one day I go to call him on it. And um, the it has a ringback tone, and it was the freaking uh, Army song, bro. <laughs> so like three seconds into the wow. phone call, it's just, uh, just the instrumental Army song. And I was like, oh, uh, God. I was like, dude, I'm never calling you ever again. It's the most hua phone call in the entire fucking world. Yeah, Florida guard, nah, baby. I, dude, if I called a recruiter and that was the thing, I would, I would hang up. That'd be yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> um, so let's see. Uh, I'll, I'll pose this to um, both of you, and I'll, Eli, you can, you can go first on this. Uh, and you kind of touched on this, um, but if there's something else to it, just let me know. Um, so why, why did you join the guard? What what drew you specifically to the guard? Twenty thousand dollar bonus. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, motherfucker. And <laughs> my man. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, when I got out, it was two thousand eight. Man, that was a record low economy since the Great Depression. So, uh, yeah, yeah. There, he's like, I'll give you twenty grand right now. We might be going to Afghanistan, and you just show up one weekend a month, two weeks in the summer, and uh, and we'll pay your tuition so you pocket GI bill. And uh, boy, were they wrong about that one weekend a month, two weeks in yeah, the summer. Dude, but other that's than that, the so greatest wrong. lie. It's the greatest yeah. lie of the guard. It really is, bro. And when but I was you a recruiter, when it... I would tell kids like, I, I want to be clear with you. It's not just one weekend a month. That weekend might be a four day weekend. It might be a fourteen day weekend. Yeah, it, yeah. It could be anything <laughs> in between two. Weekend. And Dude, 14. when I got in, when I got in, it was it was one weekend, and it was like two two and a half days. It was like you you got there real late on a Friday. You got bus to the field. You got off the bus in the middle of nowhere, and then you'd like <laughs> camp out, do some fucking ranges like for a day. And then you're back home at the armory like that next morning. And then you'd spend the day like doing like all the admin bullshit. Like that was the weekend. And AT was like two weeks. But like somewhere, somewhere between like 2012 and 2015, they were like, you know what's cool? We could just stretch these bitches out over like four days and then just say it's the weekend. And then your AT is going to be 34 days. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't know when that transition happened and I don't really understand why. Yeah, they normally try to cap AT every at 29 year. because if oh. they can cap you at 29 days, then it breaks your uh, – you can't get track here. Well, yeah. No, we don't do that. At least ours Georgia like, does. Ours way over 30 days. <laughs> ours well, that, starts off I with think like a mute at 8 and then just rolls into the order. So technically it's like 37 or 38 days because they stack a mute at 6 or they, something yeah, in front of it. Yeah, yeah that's, how they fucking, yep. that's how they get around that. You'll start yep. – like it'll be like a drill weekend. It's like a mute yep. at 8 and then into AT, and then it finishes yep. with a mute at 8. And, and, and then, like, then an active day order. Yeah, yep. yeah oh, it's please, like please, four days, then 28 days on order so they don't have to give you <laughs> track yeah. air and then another four to six days on the back end. Yeah. Not not to get no off like your question here, but like so our last deployment, 
they pulled the sneakiest shit I've ever seen in my entire life. Eli can vouch for this. So my first deployment in Iraq, we did uh, like an AT. And then like two months later, after no drills, we went to Mob, right? And Mob was like, Mob was long as shit. It shouldn't have been, it was like 90 days. Like it was three months. It was stupid long. So we did like three months. And then we went overseas for an additional eight, nine months. And then we came back and we did a 10-day DMOB and we were done. This deployment, Eli, help me remember this. We did like a month and then we did like a month of AT. And then we did like mm-hmm. a whole month of PPMT orders where we just sat in the armory yep. and got shit together. Yep. And we weren't allowed to do anything, but we just like put shit into boxes and like did training mm-hmm. and like painted bags and shit for an entire month. That's two months. And then we went to Mob, which is just over a month, pretty sure, right, Eli? Like yep. 30, 40 like days, something like that. Yeah, yeah, okay, so a month and a half. And then we did right into country, like directly in the country for another nine months, came back. And our DMOB, I don't know, two weeks, something like that. But we ended up being overseas, like, sorry, gone from home, hadn't seen my family in like 13 months. Like, I don't, yeah. the guard, the guard did this. <laughs> That's similar to what they did to us in 09. We did JRTC in February, came back, did a month at Stewart. Oh, and God. then um, had like a four-day weekend or whatever. And then we rolled straight to Shelby for Mob site. And then we were there for like two and a Oof. half months and then left. So our deployment like away from home was actually closer to 18, 19 months yeah. time. But the actual in-country time was 11 months. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was back when you could do those long deployments. Yeah. Oh. Even um, well, this last one we did, that was nine months. It was, we started train up in October. We were at Stewart, October, November, December, and then rolled straight into a country in about five days. And then we were there from January to September. I don't know if you remember this, Corey, but uh, you remember me telling you the, the story about uh, my buddy that got sent down to do, uh, he was on orders for Operation Lone Star. Oh, yeah. So they like, he's just now, I think probably two months ago, came home for like the first time and been like not on orders. Uh, but this dude, they, they fucking had them down on the border, like halfway through AT. They're like, hey, we're like Frago. We're not doing any of this shit for training. We're going to go down to the border and help out. This is before Operation Lone Star is a big thing. Okay, cool. They get down there. And they just keep like cutting new orders the whole time they're down there. And like people are starting to ask, like, hey, like when the fuck are we going home? Like I I told my employer two and a half weeks, and they're now like two and a half months in. They start cutting orders, like additional orders, but they're only cutting them like 15 days out. Um, they played that game for like six months and then finally put them on orders. And it was just for the foreseeable future the like his unit was just down on the border and then every quarter they would get a three day where they could go home he went down there in fucking 2019 and he's been on the border mission coming home to see his family for three days four times a year for the past like five years i don't know how the fuck you can get away you know obviously like it's not uh it's not uh a deployment outside of the they're, country. They're, they're Title Thirty Two orders, aren't they? Or are they are they Title Ten? They're Thirty Two ended though. Yeah, they put it into Title Thirty Two. It was a, or at least for Texas, it was a big thing because I I don't really watch the news, right? 
Um, but it popped up on like Google or something that was like, uh, hey, freaking these dudes are off Title 32 now, so it has to be federally funded or something. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Like, <laughs> it's a federal mission. <laughs> yeah. But they, the, I, I like, I understand it's not a, a deployment outside of the states, but I don't know how you can fucking get away with like, putting someone to work for five years in the guard like i just it blew my fucking mind and he like i said he he probably two two and a half months ago finally is like home now for good wow I'm like bro i i would i would he made some good money in per diem though didn't he oh i would bet he fucking did and he was like he wasn't like pissed about it because he was like yeah whatever i'm making good money but like there was definitely soldiers that were like I mean, they we we reported on it last year. They had like a huge mental health and suicide issue down there. Yeah, they had, yeah I heard they about had that. All sorts of fuck because they were just they were locking these fucking kids basically down <laughs> on the border. They were like, "You're not going fucking anywhere." They're like, "All right, well, <laughs> you know, I have a career and a family outside of this." Not anymore. Uh, yeah, but uh, what else do I got for you guys? Oh, why did we join? Why did we join the guard? Uh, is there anything else you would like to twenty thousand uh, dollars? I mean that that was my story. Uh, obviously, I after my first enlistment, I was at ten years. I was like, I either do it or I don't. Decided to keep going, and it's been the best thing for me and my family, and uh, definitely hard. Uh, and you know. I think after my third deployment, I was pretty burnt out. I volunteered for that one. And then this one, I didn't, I moved to Michigan and like, Hey, we're going to Syria. I'm like, Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it made my marriage stronger. I met Burke and Matt. We got bunker bros going, made good money. Um, and it was, it was my first deployment in a real leadership role. Like, I mean, I was kind of running all the, base living quarter stuff and uh while keeping the mortars ready to go i was very very busy it was stressful and he was a man of 80 hats he, he was the, the mayor cell for the, the compound and he, he also had to run the mortars like all of them <laughs> it was a while yeah. but uh yeah i don't know that's that's why i joined that's where it led me i don't regret it for a second definitely been very challenging but it's made me a much better person as uh, you know, husband, father, leader in the civilian workplace. Burke, why'd you join? Oh, I was so stupid. I was, you know, <laughs> dumbass, seventeen-year-old kid. And I want to join the army and like deploy. And like, I saw Saving Private Ryan. I saw Band of Brothers. I saw Black Hawk Down. And I was like, oh, it's just so cool. And then that's how they get I, you. Uh, the I know, dude. And then my parents. I was 17 and I want to join up and my parents had to sign because I was 17 and they like wouldn't do it. They're like, all right, you're going to go to college for a year. And then like, if you hate it, you can like, you know, get out and go to the army. And I got to college and I met like the recruiter. They said, like, oh yeah, you don't, you don't even need to like leave college. You can stay in college and join, you know, the guard and then deploy out of college. And I was like, oh shit, a workaround. I love it. And so I did it, joined the guard and I joined ROTC, went through like three years of ROTC, got deployed by, uh third year junior year of college and then never went back did iraq and i was like man college sucked 
now like just like Eli did like the six years. I was like, ah, fuck it, twenty grand. <laughs> <laughs> I think actually, I don't think I got twenty grand. I think it's fifteen grand for that for that reenlistment. And then uh, I got bored and I went through like a divorce. And I was like, what the fuck did I do? And then like I started looking online. I saw like, oh, dude, people will pay you. Like private companies will pay you to go overseas and do the exact same thing I was doing in Iraq. Well, that is wild. So I did it. And like Constellus reached out to me and like, hey, we got a job for you if you want it. So you just came back. I was like, yep, definitely. Went to Afghanistan, watched the fall. And I came back from that one. I was like, all right, I'm done. No more deployments. That shit was wild. And then Syria. <laughs> <laughs> so the National Guard said, we don't give a shit. Yeah. And I'm not going to like, I'm not going to leave the boys. Like I had grown a weapon squad and I had grown a squad and a platoon. Uh, I'm not going to like let them go, you know, by themselves. So I, I wasn't one of those dudes who was going to like try to get out of it. Like I, Oh my God, dude, Ugh, those dudes, dude, I, I feel that man. I just had a kid and I'm all old and broken. And I was like, yeah. oh. but I got, had to be there for the boys and dude, I want to say, cause then like some ass hat, like E6, E7 is going to take your spot. And he's gonna mm-hmm. like do some dumb shit, and then like that's on me. That's my fault. So, yeah, yeah I didn't do that. Exactly. So how uh, how has the guard um, helped you, and how if it has, uh, how has it hindered you uh, in your civilian life? I can go, go ahead, first Bert. if you want, Eli. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, so my civilian life, I was going like nowhere like i had no plan after i left college um obviously without a degree thanks iraq but i i didn't really have like a whole path lined out in front of me um and then when i got back from my first deployment i got a call from my first uh pl that i was ever with in the military and he's like hey man like i I heard you just got back uh do you want a job and i was like yeah what is it he's like well i can't tell you it's like all right cool where is it it's like oh i can't tell you I was like, all right, how do I get it? He's like, oh, you got to come to this place uh, in Lansing, the capital, and do this interview in front of these dudes, and they'll tell you if you get it or not. And then if you get it, they'll explain what it is. I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> so I go to this interview. <laughs> yeah. I, I do this board. I, I get boarded. And then uh, I didn't even know, like, I was supposed to wear a uniform. Like, no one told me anything. So I showed up in, like, civilian clothes, and it turned out to be an actual, like, an actual board in front of, like, a sergeant major and a master sergeant and a first sergeant and, like, oh, a major. Fuck who like sat in the back and stared at me for the whole time. And uh, these thick necked veiny motherfuckers just staring at me, asking me all these questions. I'm like, what am I boarding for? <laughs> and at the end of the interview, they're like, okay, well, yeah, we're the, we're the Michigan counter drug. And, you know, we just like to keep things like down low until we figure out like we like somebody. And um, they ended up offering me the job. I guess I did well on the board, but. Yeah, it, it's changed a lot since then. They don't do that anymore. Now they like tell you what you're interviewing for. But I uh, I took the counter drug job and that got me into the DEA later on. That got me um, a couple positions in contracting later on. And like a lot of the world that we work in that people probably don't know about is based off experience and not schooling. Like, sure, if you want to go if you want to go Fed, you need a degree. But if you want to circumvent that process. The feds, those agencies are hiring the exact same jobs for no degree and just experience, just not in the same pipeline. Mm-hmm. So like they could they could hire me 
with no degree and five years of experience doing the exact same thing who will do it better than some kid fresh out of college that didn't do anything. And I will take less time to train. They'll send me to a school for two months in Quantico and then they'll rip me right to a duty station and I'll do my job there for like whatever my contract is, let's say a year. And then I'll come back and it costs them, you know, 95 grand to pay me, you know, 95 grand for a year. Mm -hmm. And that student that they got out of college, they paid 105 grand. They had to pay for his schooling that took six months and it took that year and a half of federal hiring to hire that dude. So the guard Mm -hmm. taught me that there's ways to get around the federal processes, the state processes, and get the jobs that you want without actually having what they think or you think that you need to have. So like it, it taught me that experience is more than anything. And that Absolutely. goes like especially for like <clears throat> sorry, especially for like overseas. Like I learned I don't know, probably twice as much in my Afghanistan deployment than I did in my Iraq deployment and probably three times as much in my Syria deployment as I did in my my Afghanistan deployment. It's like every time I go over I learn more and more because war is changing all the time. But I don't know. Granted, don't want to do it again. But if I have to, <laughs> I would be interested to see like what we learn this next time. So, guard gave me my my career, gave me you know who I am today, and I, I think I've learned quite a bit from not only just the people that I've interacted with, like Matt and Eli, and my my first line leaders throughout the last you know twelve years or whatever, but like even the soldiers like below mm-hmm. me, like the new generation, which is one of the main reasons we started this company is to get like this new generation to mesh with people like me and people like Eli and Matt. And that's the great thing about the guard. Like you pointed out earlier, um, like that, that mishmash of personalities and mishmash of ages and everything that comes together to be this one cohesive unit. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we've talked about it a, a million times on the podcast, but I really do think that, the greatest strength of the guard is when you can take a bunch of guard soldiers and when they're led correctly and they're working together cohesively, the amount of skill sets that are in one platoon of guard soldiers is fucking insanity. Oh, like yeah. that, and if you know, as a leader, if you know your people and you know, like what their strengths are and you can utilize that, like, I don't know, more effectively um you know the the guard uh, a, a guard platoon of infantry soldiers you know they're they're not they're not as sexy when it comes to kicking doors and shit like that that's just the reality we don't get the same fucking time to develop those skills but uh you know you have soldiers there that are professional chefs that are police officers that are diesel mechanics that are Meanwhile, if you go onto an active duty installation and, uh, you know, grab another infantry platoon, that platoon is full of infantrymen. Like, that is it. That's the, that is the extent yeah. of their skill set. And, like, yeah, they, they look good kicking a door. It's, but a, like, it's a crutch. It ends up yeah. being a crutch. So yeah, like, 100%. Eli will tell you, um, like, our rip in the last deployment, we, we were ripped by an active duty unit. We won't say which unit, but we could all probably fucking guess. Um, and they were absolute trash. Like, they... They only knew one thing, and it was being an infantryman. And the environment that we were in, our platoon was on our trucks all day, every day, doing maintenance when we weren't on patrol. We were in the towers. We were creating sector sketches. We were creating 
you know, like doing weapons maintenance on crows we never touched, on the new CWS systems we never touched. We were all these new weapon systems that nobody told us existed, we were figuring out how to use them. All these new computer systems, we were figuring out how to use them. And they showed up and they were like, well, no, we're infantrymen. We don't do that. Well, you do now because there's nobody else here. It's yeah. only infantrymen. <laughs> so you're going to fix your trucks. You're going to work the computer systems. And you're going to figure out these weapon systems or you're going to die. So you can choose, but you're going to do both. And I think it was way easier for our guard platoon to come in. And we had mechanics. We, like you said, we had mechanics. We had chefs. We had college students who were studying engineering. And they were able to figure out this shit before I could figure it out. And I was like, all right, I trust you. If you can do this, you're going to do it. And all of a sudden, this kid who has never touched a raven in his life is just launching a raven off a platform. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right, we figured it out. <laughs> no, it, it is it is the great, like, genuinely the greatest strength. And, like, uh, I don't. I don't remember what the Reddit forum was, but there was a bunch of a bunch of people like talking about like the transition from like an active duty infantryman to going to a you know a, a guard infantryman and what to expect and all this shit. And that was like the advice that I gave. I was like, just understand like this isn't active duty, and understand that like your soldiers have new strengths that your active duty Joes didn't, and you need to figure out what those are and you need to fucking run with them. Because that's what oh, yeah. will make you like the most combat effective team is like you knowing like, hey, the truck's fucking broken, but you know, private dick face back here is a, a mechanic. Like, yeah. get up there and like go, you know, go get shit taken care of. I had uh, a perfect example of that running the mayor cell. So we had, you know, all my guys. I had one guy who was like twenty five, and all the rest were twenty or twenty one. Uh. One of them, I think, was 19 when we started out. And I'm like 37. <laughs> so, and I have an 18 year old. So, you know, what almost could be their dads, but I'm watching them trying to figure out how are we going to accomplish this mission we fell into and run the space and handle all the flights coming in, when generators go down, when tents deflate, like get bathrooms up and running and work with these searing contractors. And then you just watch him like, okay, I have a guy who's really good on equipment, so he's going to run the bobcat and the forklifts and whatever, right? And then I got a really hungry guy who's sharp, and okay, he's going to like be kind of my project manager. Like I'm going to get the information, and then I'm going to spread it out to the guys, and he's going to run this or that. And, uh, you know, and then a couple other guys with great attitudes, and we, we got so much done, and it was uh, just leveraging different skills for sure. And coming from active duty in the Marine Corps, I, I would say, you know, when I was in Iraq, I was never, it was scary being like in Fallujah when we were letting everyone back in the city and seeing everything had been blown up and, you know, hitting IEDs. You definitely expected bad things to happen, but I knew if anyone ever shot at us or like, wanted to get in direct contact that we were going to win and we were going to win decisively. And then yeah. my next two deployments as 11 Bravo, but I was doing a personal security stuff. I like, I felt completely undertrained. The guys were not mentally prepared because in the Marine Corps, it's a very, uh, it's a brainwashing. Let's be real, but it works. <laughs> and uh, I mean, mm -hmm. I, we were totally underprepared. The this training structure was good for the deployment, but 
they just, I don't know, it was different. In the Marine Corps, everyone constantly trained that the worst possible thing was going to happen. But that was the only I skill think, we had was slaying bodies, man. Like you're saying, we, you, we didn't I think have you said it, skills. though. I think you so, said it, though. I think earlier you were like, the Marine Corps is, has that mindset where you're like, well, mm-hmm. we're going to win. Like, I think you're absolutely correct. I think the Marine Corps has that mindset where like, well, it doesn't matter if someone gets a direct take with us. Like, we're going to win, obviously. Yeah, yeah like, we will fuck them up. Yeah. So I think there's, and you know this as well, I do, Eli. I think we talked about this a couple times over the deployment, and I'm sure Craig and Corey are probably going to agree. Like, there has been a significant drop-off in the mindset the military has taken in the last what, eight to 10 years where we have stopped focusing on winning conflict and started focusing on nurturing everything else but the conflict. Yeah, occupation. Like, yeah, it's occupation, yeah. which is exactly what we did in the last three deployments. But I saw, like, I, I don't know, it was fortunate or unfortunate enough to see uh, people go from like a paradise, like in, I was in Sherikar outside Bagram, and I was I was fortunate enough to see the awesome side of Afghanistan where like the mountains are beautiful. The people are nice. Um, you know, I got to like hang out and eat as much as I want. I got to work out as much as I want. I got all the food I wanted. I got to maybe, maybe not sneak in alcohol as much as I wanted. And like <laughs> we had bonfires, we got to hang out. There were like, there was girls and like, dude, we had so much fun. And then one day someone drives a V bit a 5,000 pound V bit into a wall right outside our bunker. And blows a 40 foot hole in it and then there's a gunfight with 36 isis dudes outside the wall like that's just the reality of afghanistan at the time but i thought we were unprepared like i thought all those dudes like probably 50 percent of them had probably seen combat before that and i was like i was kind of concerned when i first got there i was like these dudes are under train they're a liability and then i was super surprised when like we got tick and this dude who had never seen combat in his life was like, yep. And just like grabbed his rifle, didn't grab his kit, grabbed one extra mag and then took off out the door, <laughs> got up on the wall, started slaying dudes. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that's actually pretty impressive. But that's how I kind of look at like the guard is like, and you guys could probably agree. You never know till you're in it. And I definitely didn't know till I was in it the first time. And like, I was always surprised at how most people reacted. Of course, there's always those onesies, twosies. But I was pretty confident this last deployment and like the boys to react how they're supposed to, especially when you have like those hidden sociopaths who are like in the gunner's turret. You're like, oh, that dude's going to be fine. <laughs> well, and Bert, you have to agree. Waiting that. for the fucking moment. Do our, we, we had a pretty experienced stacked leadership. It was like our leadership oh, we did. in our company was really strong. And then there's squad just, leader and above. And I have never seen off. a more experienced set of like every squad leader except for one had two plus deployments every single one and every Jesus. platoon sergeant had two plus the fucking company commander was ranger bat for the last fucking 10 years you know four five six deployments the first sergeant had like three deployment like we had the most stacked leadership i've ever seen in my entire life no offense lieutenants excluded but that's how it is. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, like E5 and below, nothing. Not a single yeah. one. Yeah, and that, 
to not to reference all the way back, but I just I put like wrote this note down. When it comes to like over the past like eight to ten years, this whole dynamic of like you know winning wars has shifted and oh yeah like Corey's 100 percent correct it's it's occupation now and i think like i think down to even like the lowest enlisted level a lot of the times like the the question that continues to come up over and over and over is like what does winning even look like in this situation like there's not a win outcome here so what exactly are we fucking doing um, and I think that that that's like it's trickled back, like not just from deployments, but it's trickled into training. It's trickled into garrison life. Like I I don't I don't know what changed, but the I don't know the vision's completely different. And I I will also say that it, it like especially in the guard and you'll it, like everybody says this and it's it's fucking true. After I'm now in my fourth unit within the guard in a different state like it depends entirely on the state the unit like i've been in i've been in some units where everybody's like you know hungry to train they're fit they're motivated like you look around and you're like wow i fucking trust these dudes and then i've also been in units where you show up and like on day one you're like i hope to god they never let us deploy like this is fucking terrifying (laughs) but as like it like have you been in like infantry battalions the whole time uh yeah for the most part so like i think and this is not shunning anybody who isn't but like for the infantry for for the most part every infantry battalion i've been a part of or served with or been around has been like the same mindset i mean when i was in like denmark on like an at rotation for like three weeks our platoon sergeant had us go fight the british soldiers down the road just to prove that we could do it like the, that's the infantry. Like we have yeah. to prove we're the biggest <laughs> swinging dicks on the battlefield, yeah. even if it's not a battlefield. So, I think you're correct in saying that the each state, each battalion, each brigade, whatever it is, is different. Yeah the the uh, the culture the culture has has changed, and I don't I don't know how. I don't know how you get back to. I you know I think I think honestly it will be forced back into that mindset is what will happen. Oh yeah, like that that's the way that it'll turn back on like conflict will take place fortunately yeah well yeah and that and i think that i mean that stems i mean within the military within society i think that as americans like as fucked up as it is like the best version of us is like when we're backed into a corner and then all of a sudden like that's when the best version of like americans come out yeah, that's a toxic. I mean, ass I mean that's not that's a toxic ass trait of Americans. No, it is. We're that's we're probably, just fat, that's and a good one, man. We're yeah. we're so I mean, comfortable. But when it, it comes down to the wire, we always come through. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm old enough. Always the... I was in high school in 9/11, so like, I've never seen the country so tight. You know, it lasted for a while, but it ended. But it was now we're. Now we're probably. I I would guess that people during Vietnam maybe felt like we do now, very kind of apart. When you're like people don't talk about things; they just have their ideas and are separate from each other, which really sucks. But uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I wonder if they felt like that previously, and because we like to say, "Oh, this has never happened before," like that probably has. But uh, I just remember after nine eleven, you know, 
I had a family history of military and I mean, that solidified what I was going to do. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone was just caring about each other that day. Wondering if, you know, if your city was next. I think Americans yeah, a, got tired of losing people. Like they got tired of seeing dead soldiers on CNN, dead soldiers on Fox news. I, I think yeah. you trace it all the way back to Vietnam when you started letting the media on the battlefield and the 24 hour mm-hmm. news cycle started taking off that like Americans, like the average American wants to be as far removed from the killing and the violence as possible. They only want to hear bad? about bad guys dying. They don't want to hear about our troops dying. And then like, if you look at when Iraq started getting really wacky with their rules of engagement during the peak, the surge, when people were going out and we were offensive, we were fighting a lot. Same thing in Afghanistan when casualties started surging. More people in the country, more operations, more time for people to get messed up. And, um, you know, it's foolish to think that you can fight a war without shedding blood, right? Like, as great as we are at fighting as a military and as an army and as infantry dudes, like, you, it's still built into us to take losses. We train to take losses. Like, it's an expectation that people are going to die. They make that very clear. Um, I think America just gets really tired of seeing dead Americans on TV, right? And then if if we're not justifying it with some sort of cookie to hand them, like, look, we gave a working government or, you know, we restored women's rights or whatever, like, we can't, mm-hmm. you know, there's no clearly defined objectives, obviously. So we didn't have that, that cookie to hand America other than like, okay, yeah, we lost, you know, 7,000 people in this war, but we killed like, 700,000 people <laughs> like yeah that's it that's all we can the really lean day. on as a kd you know that's all we can really <laughs> lean on is our kill death ratio like we killed a lot more of them than they killed of us yeah. right and we did do some good things like building schools and hospitals and restoring order and stuff but like that's not good enough for the average american because they don't see that all they see is cnn telling them up oh, look at the taliban hacking people's heads off again or doing this, 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 and this. And it's like, yeah, of course. But like, we can't fund the United States of America plus Iraq, plus Afghanistan, plus all these other countries Mm -hmm. that we're actively trying to shape and mold or hold on to for a tactical reason. Like, I get it. Yeah. Being risk adverse and not wanting to lose soldiers. Like I 100% get that. And I don't think that we should shed blood unless we absolutely have to. But I'm a very firm believer on like, if you see an American flag on a convoy and you open fire on that convoy, that the response should basically be the right hand of God. It should put the fear yeah. in people that you do not want to engage the U.S. forces in combat, yeah. period, because that's our biggest deterrent. So like if you're getting shot at, let the boys off the leash, do whatever you have to do to win and win aggressively and overwhelmingly. So that way, yeah. the next time these people think like, Hey, look at this group of four or five Humvees. Let's go. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> don't, not don't fuck with them. Yeah, no. Well, like, and I, well you used to be like that in Iraq. <laughs> in Iraq, I it think... was like that. You remember? Uh, yeah, it was It was pretty much. I mean, I got to Iraq in 05, so it was still crazy. But, um, yeah, I didn't feel like I couldn't defend myself or anything like that. It, it was, you know, for us, when you're just a bloodthirsty active duty marine like not bloodthirsty in a negative way just like everyone wants Want to do your job you're eager to prove yeah. yourself exactly so what what uh, to kind of 
piggyback off of the, you know, Americans getting war sick, uh, especially after being like, you know, exposed to it through the media. Um, what terrifies me is the idea that this is in a, like a coin operation, right? Um, I don't know that America has like the, uh, as a society has the gusto or the guts anymore for like a peer to peer conflict. Like, nope. I don't, I don't think that we could, we could get the people on board anymore because, you know, if you look at like casualty numbers, like you're losing in a week, what we lost in almost 20 years yep. in a peer to peer conflict. And I don't know that the American people, the first time that that fucking number ran across the TV would be like, whatever we're doing or whatever our justification is, is enough uh, for me to be okay with watching this these casualty numbers take place it would yeah, have to be I mean, something look, that attacked america like it would have to be something like yep. a direct attack against yeah. us something that, Some, like yeah. world war ii right that's the last time we were seeing numbers like that that were we're seeing we're seeing it in ukraine yeah, yeah. i yep. mean like as americans that's the last time oh, we were yeah. losing it has, people, it has like to impact thousands. the civilian populace directly yep. yeah otherwise Literally. they don't care they won't yeah, and they, if we get to the get point by, where we yeah. have to draft like there's probably more people that are anti-war now than we're in the 60s and 70s oh, with yeah. Vietnam. So you go to draft, like, that's not going to work out very well. Not to mention, like, when the Department of Defense comes out and says obesity is the biggest threat to the United States, <laughs> you know, that's um, that's pretty disparaging when it comes to calling up people to to throw into the grinder if things get bad. Or do what the Russians yeah. do. <laughs> start emptying out the prisons give me yeah, six months in the combat zone launch them in free. there good luck bro <laughs> we'll give you They're six weeks of training you Dude, get six I... months in the combat zone if you survive you're free you're the argument that I've heard about the Ukraine Russia thing that like was a decent like pro conflict pro us hemorrhaging money to it was like the cost of fucking with Russia like as far as what we've actually invested in mm-hmm. in terms of like money uh, in in return uh, fucking with Russia that much uh, like the the return on investment is great mm. like if you look at if you do Good if point. you look at the numbers the return on investment is fucking great but uh, still I mean Detroit's a a rough town that could probably use a hundred billion too so. Yeah. So, dude, the Taliban should have been selling ammo to Ukraine. No. Oh, come on. <laughs> There's like yeah. millions of rounds we left there. The Taliban. Hey, you guys want to buy like, some crows? Hey. <laughs> we got like forty crows. <laughs> you guys want like seven million five five six? Would you like rounds? to buy your you shit back now? <laughs> no, not to us, but just sell it to Ukraine. And they're like, hey, we got uh, <laughs> we got this other stuff, so here you can have it. You guys see their like their insta no they've been putting out the Taliban. They're pretty good. <laughs> the rollerblading and like the oh dude, like the GQ picks. <laughs> the rollerblading, dude, it kills me. <laughs> that was that was epic, dude. So epic. The roll what you broke up? You guys didn't they see the rollerblading Taliban? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, oh, so, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They just sent yeah, out yeah. those G, those GQ pics. They posted like forty pictures of all their dudes, like all G'd out. Like they have, they have like our night vision, our weapons. Like they have all our. <laughs> I mean, I give it to them. That's that's mobile. 
the amount of times I thought about sneaking some Heelys in on a on a movement, you know, like that. Oh yeah. I give hey, it to him. Good hey, Sonic Drive yeah, has an nothing on road march. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, is it harder to shoot somebody on rollerblades because <laughs> they're moving faster? Like, they might be onto something. <laughs> Until you hit I them, think they're saving it's, their knees. Yeah, it's good urban ops is what it is. It really is. Yeah, what <laughs> they if they've just, uncovered? Speed or security, they took speed. Speed is security, Dude, they understand. Electric yeah. off-road rollerblades is the future. It's all fun and games until they get like those little skateboards that somebody else can control, and they're like, oh. "All right, Abdul, you just, you just shoot, I'll drive." <laughs> <laughs> but that is a David great Duggins. transition. Oh, let's so, begin. Sorry. <laughs> why don't Why don't you uh, you guys take the uh, this opportunity to kind of tell us about uh, Bunker Bros? Eli, go. Eli, go. all right. Um, go. <laughs> so. The idea started in a bunker during, uh, you know, an attack. And it actually came from a civilian contractor. He was in a bunker with me. Uh, Matt and I usually shared a bunker, our other business partner, but there's a civilian contractor. And we're like, what's up, dude? Like, we're just always in here. He's like, yeah, we're like bunker bros. And then I'm like, light bulb. <laughs> and so I, uh, I came up with the sticker idea and I was like, Burke, I know you're kind of an art cartoony artist. Like I need you to draw this for me. So he draws it and I'm like, dude, that's way cooler than I would have thought. So then I'm like, I'm talking to Matt and I'm like, Matt, I want this to like take Burke's cartoony idea, but make it look exactly like, yeah, make it exactly (laughs) like one of our (laughs) So Matt just literally like, yeah, I got a really nice camera. I'll take a picture of the bunker and turn it into an image. I'm like, dude. And then he just, he throws Burke's rockets on it. And I'm like, done. So we, we had someone make some of those stickers for us just for fun for everyone who's there. And then I'm like, I get the two guys, get them together. I'm like, guys, we need, this needs to be a thing. And they're like, we're down. So here we are. Um, you know, we have, we've got the clothing line coming. We're just trying to do something a little, everyone wants to be original, you know, uh, but we're just trying to make it something fun that appeals to like, like I'm kind of on the cr- uh, crotchety side of dudes who are still in since the beginning of GWAT almost. <laughs> and uh, just kind of make something fun for everyone to get into. And, you know, we were joking about, uh, kdr earlier so if you notice on our born to wait helmet there's a zero zero on there so but uh <laughs> you know we we want to take you know i've i've done the nonprofit thing and we want to kind of take this to the next level to build a community and just like you were saying other veterans uh content creators everyone helping each other out we want to keep building a veteran community and i feel like I think Burke, I'll let you go next. Like the, I think, you know, kind of the VFWs and the legions. I'm a big part of my VFW here, but they're kind of dying off. And I think our generation of vets are isolating themselves, which I don't like to see. Um, You know, I've had some people, some brothers take their lives. And uh, I think we just want to build that community outside of being in uniform 
and be there for each other, laugh about funny memories, and um, and you know just lift each other up and help each other grow in our in our daily lives. I think that's where we want to go eventually. Burke, you could take it from there. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And uh, and like Eli was saying, there's a there's a huge gap between like the dudes that I first started serving with, uh, you know, 12 years ago. Uh, when they got back from Afghanistan and I was like that new private and I was on rear D for like a week and then they got home and they just like beat the shit out of me. <laughs> so I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be that dude. You know, I don't want to be that guy when I'm like a six or a five or whatever. When I come back and there's some new private, I don't want to be that asshole that just like, Oh, this dude doesn't know what I just did. So I got to, I got to beat the shit out of him or whatever. I don't really, I don't really don't understand it at all. <laughs> it's just what happened. But like, I want to bridge that gap between, the the guys coming in and the guys going out so like eli you know you're old i want to bridge eli and you know my youngest joe and they i want them to be able to establish some type of connection other than just being in the military together but um obviously it's easier for like a battalion that just got back from deployment because they all have the same the same like jokes and the same outlooks and the same like time in the bunkers together, or this time in the dirt together. But um, so we're, we're trying to bridge that gap in other ways. Like our, our born to wait shirt has, uh, we took that old, um, you know, platoon helmet born to kill um, like cigarette pack in the helmet, condoms in the band. And we turned it into something for the new generation where it's, born to wait because we're always waiting in line there's a kd ratio on the side of the helmet and there's a vape in the back of it so we, we want to like want to show <laughs> the old guys that, that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> we want to we want to show the old guys that we still think about the legacy but but it's turning into something that they can respect it's just it's just not the exact same you know what i'm saying like so my 18 year old who just got into college but now he's in the fucking sands of syria can identify with that helmet and be like oh well that came from you know the movie platoon where they had born to kill and there was a peace sign and he can identify with people who you know were before me and they can carry it on forever but so we got a couple ideas coming out and uh you know it started out as like a fun thing and we were like oh fuck it we don't care if it fails but now i think we've all kind of it's grown on us eli i'm sure you probably think the same way now it's like well we want it to succeed because we've like we've come this far um and it's 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 hard because you know it's just seeing this thing just kind of like beeline just straight not really making any ups not really making any downs either but it's just like the same constant not making money enough to like create new content just kind of keeping this beeline but we got we got big plans for the future if we can get it off the ground and we think we can yeah we think we can do a lot of uh a lot of good. We got some big ideas we won't share yet, but we think we can do a lot of good with it once we get the the time and the money. And hopefully, this is the start of something good. Yeah, it's awesome, man. Yeah, and it's it it's tough because like there's these like huge uh, like ebbs and flows where like I don't know we we've had we've had like months back before when we were pretty consistent with this where we would have podcast episodes in the first like day we're over like 500 downloads and like that that's correlating to like oh people are like on the website people are buying stuff this is kind of crazy like this is actually working and then 
in the same 40 day period, all of a sudden everything's radio silent. Like, and it's, it's, it's hard to like get a pulse pulse on like what the fuck happened? Like I'm doing, I think I'm doing the same things that were successful. What's, what's changed. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's, it's, it's just part of the the game. Yeah. Like we had a, we had a video. It was literally nothing. It was a CRAM on our base shooting like some drones down or some shit. And it got like 5,000 views in like six hours. And I'm like, how did that, like, it's nothing. <laughs> and then there's like combat footage that we throw up or like there's like patrols or like actual shit we put on and it gets like 30 views. I'm like, how does this make any sense? <laughs> it doesn't yeah, make sense. Like no just, rhyme or reason. Yeah, it's just random. I don't know. It's all original, so I don't really understand the difference, but whatever. We'll keep making it. You guys just keep watching it or whatever. Well, it's like, it's like if it was, if it was, if I knew what was doing it, I would be retired. Like if I knew, oh, if yeah. I, yeah. I, I knew the formula, like there wouldn't be, instead there's like this grind of like, well, that didn't fucking work. And like the meme community, bro, the fucking meme community is even, it is, I, it makes no sense to me. I make, I make memes that I'm like, that's fucking hilarious. And 30 people like it. I yep. make some dumb <laughs> shit meme, meme, like half asleep on the shitter in the morning post it and by lunchtime it has like over a thousand likes i'm like what i put so much work into photoshopping like old schwarzenegger (laughs) running into a bunker and it was like two hours to make this meme and then like it got like 12 hits and i was like what the fuck and i made like a (laughs) rip off patrick star meme for like the military got like a thousand hits i'm like what the fuck is going on man (laughs) well check check this out bert dude the wild thing is right I was like, did I did we pigeonhole ourselves? Because my first three deployments, I never was in a book. I'm like, right, ah, oh, random incoming, yeah, whatever. If it hits me, it hits me. And like anyone who ran in a bunker, we laughed at him. Then you go on this deployment, and there's like drones and crazy ass bombs, and you're like, I'm getting in the damn bunker. <laughs> like, so, yeah, dude, I'm not getting it's... cluster bombed in the open. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. So but now, I, so I think totally going different. forward, here's. Here's the cool part. I think going well. I don't. I wouldn't want to say cool. I don't want to do that again. But like, I think going forward. Unfortunately, I'm going to say that everybody listening. Unfortunately, people in the future are going to know what we're talking about. We're like, get closer. Bound yeah. in the open sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think unfortunately a lot of these dudes coming home in the next six to twelve months are going to be like, bro, Bunker Bros is where it's at. Yeah, or we can just advertise in Ukraine. There you go. Yeah, they did it. That's true. true. (laughs) It's a a real fucking issue there. Oh, I I actually had a funny story. If you want to hear it real quick, uh, my first, absolutely, my first experience in a bunker that I can remember. Um, We were getting hit. Uh, I was in Iraq, and Macmore is just southeast of Mosul. In 2017, I think it was. Uh, so right before like the invasion in in uh, sorry third invasion into Mosul when ISIS took over, um, but we were on like this tiny ass fire base and there was this guy we called him Rocket Man. He used to take an iPad, hook it up to a rail and shoot a rocket at us. Like it went like twenty clicks and he'd hit us every time. It was wild. Um, so morning comes, he'd always hit us when the sun came up. So this dude was hitting us, and. I was like walking from our sleeping bunker 
because we slept in these staple bunkers like me and you had Eli except we didn't have like the we didn't have the Hascos around them it was just like those concrete staple bunkers put in the ground so mm-hmm. I was walking from like my sleeping bunker to like chow where the marines were serving it every morning and you had to you know fill sandbags and you get your chow and then you go back I think you had to fill like three sandbags before you could eat um and then like on my way the the incoming alarm was like they would honk horns so like the horns started going off because like the c-ram picked it up but there was no like alarm so like the horn started going off so you like hit the deck go to the bunker or whatever so i hit the ground it's still pretty dark out hit the ground uh it hits so i, I get up i start booking another one hits i hit the ground i get up again start sprinting dark as shit don't have my nods on go right into a fucking ditch break my spine <laughs> like fall over in the ground i'm laying there another round hits i'm like fuck i gotta get up so i get up and it was like one of those moments where like your kit keeps going but your body stops or like takes the rest of your body with you so like i get back <laughs> up I'm, i take off to the bunker again i get in there and i like i'm i'm panting like breathless can't talk shit everyone's in there already bullshitting because you know everyone's nervous and they're like laughing and talking or whatever and rounds are still coming in so we're sitting there and uh everyone's like focusing on me and i'm like sitting there like patting myself down i feel something wet i'm like what the fuck so like i'm feeling my leg and my 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 stomach and my in my kit and shit i'm like what the fuck is that and uh my hands are wet but it's too dark i can't see what it is so i start patting my shit down everyone's like staring at me to like are you okay i was like i don't know and like my hit so everyone starts patting me down i'm all wet like dude did you piss i was like no (laughs) So I started, like, everyone, like, dude, everyone, there was, like, six people patting me down. Turns out there was a fucking juice box in my pocket that got smashed <laughs> and sprayed all over my uniform. Everyone's fucking feeling me up, thinking I pissed. <laughs> <laughs> fucking apple juice, bro. <laughs> I'm dying. I'm dying. Yeah, everyone thought I was hit. Everyone's touching me and shit. Ah, uh, you touched my dick. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Fucking awesome. <laughs> I like it. Uh, do you have any? Uh, uh, this was a question I had for Matt, and maybe one of you guys can fill fill me in here. Uh, what in the fuck is a geospatial tech? <laughs> dude, that's a good question. <laughs> it's a dude who studies satellite photos. That's what. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh. We had a geospatial dude in my last platoon. Um, he was like Air Force geospatial and then came to the Army or whatever and became an RTO. But his uh, explanation what of down. what it was is um, you they can study satellite imagery and they have formulas to tell how tall a person is, how big a building is. They can tell if doors open inwards, outwards etc etc so they're just really really good at uh, terrain analysis and building analysis and stuff and they Mm. can give you detailed uh intel on like a compound they can tell you which way the doors are going to open etc etc so ripping off that though and here's my confusion he's an infantryman that is not working in any type of intelligence as a geospatial tech bro probably security clearance issue probably security clearance issue he needs a he needs a TS to be in it. I mean, yeah, legit. He could have been but in the program and, and had like a um, what do they call it where they give you one like a temporary one or whatever. Oh, interim. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he probably had an interim, and then it just 
either he didn't get the deadline done in time or something and they just watched him and so like okay go somewhere he does else. it civilian side i don't think he's ever done the military side so i don't i'm thinking that maybe he does geospatial engineering of some kind like for like a he construction works, works for, aspect yeah he works for a construction company yeah oh, okay. so that makes sense so like but but going back like he has that experience if he could get that ts he could be making jesus 120 130 grand a Easy. year doing geospatial intelligence for some you know three letter agency or contract i live in augusta right outside fort gordon and they have an nsa complex there yep. and uh, they're always hiring um on the job sites around here and they're every single one of those jobs starts at like low 120s 130s yep. Yeah, yeah. He's also, has a lot of those, dude. The old Matt's TS, like, that'll get you. Oh, yeah. Matt's like that. Uh, the most interesting man in the world. Like, he also is kind of a rock star. So, yeah. He's got it going on, you know? That's when I had a TS for the Department of Energy, it was only, like, pretty much good for DOD or the Department of Energy. The Q clearance. That's like, that's what I know. I told you what happened with my fucking security clearance, right? Yeah, DOD yeah. transfers to almost anything. You said DOD, right? Yeah, um, I had a DOE. Oh, DOE. Department of Energy. The Q clearance, which is a TSSCI um, on the DOD side. Well, that transfers to most anything that matters, you know, for contracts. Yeah, I just, whenever I came back, I got kind of pushed into recruiting. Oof. Yeah. Well, I can't say I got pushed into recruiting. Like I submitted the application on my own, um, but it was not what I thought it was going to be. Sounds good when you did it. Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was not what I thought it was going to be. It was pretty cake for when COVID was going on for the most part because they moved me to like the training section of a RSP basically. So I was just putting together training plans and PT plans and stuff. Um, but then when they decided that they were paying me to be a recruiter, not a training NCO, and I needed to go recruit people. Um, yeah, I wasn't very good at that. I think I put really? in four people in 14 months as a recruiter. <laughs> good numbers. Uh, Got to get it, pump hey, those numbers up. One of them, two of them are about to deploy right now with Georgia. One of them just graduated Warren Officer Candidate School and is going to flight school this summer. And um, the other one, I, I don't know. I'd be surprised if they survived AIT. <laughs> oh one out of four is pretty good it was uh it was one of those like i really needed a number and this person was right on the bubble and i was like all right you know we'll roll the dice this time thank you the army definitely needs more of those mouth breathers um i'm pretty i, I if i had to like take a wild guess he's probably not in the army anymore I'd be surprised if he made it out of basic training, to be completely honest. like He like cried that he had to cut his hair and stuff, and he was telling me how he was going to beat up drill sergeants and stuff. And I was like, yeah, oh, you know, the, Army's the, the Army's like the perfect place for you, bud. Just go yeah, to dude. basic and exert your dominance, and yeah, nobody will ever mess right with you ever again. I was like, it's just like prison, bro. Go in there, and you just punch the drill sergeant in your face, and then everyone knows not to mess with you. That's how that goes. And then by the time he shipped off, I was out of recruiting, so... I don't know how, not my how that story played with him, but I, I like to think that he got off the bus and like went to punch a drill sergeant at Benning and they were like, ha, and just like lit him up. And then he was like, crap, my recruiter told me I could beat up on you guys. 
<laughs> you can. You just gotta, you know, beat up all of them. Yeah, you win. Yeah, like seven win of them. Is the first word. <laughs> like honestly, I think if you in the army, like at least whenever back in like 2005 or whatever, when I first came in, if you got in a fight with somebody that outranked you, as long as you won, you were normally pretty good. Like, yeah, you might get some extra duty out of it or something, but it was pretty much like a woodline type thing, right? Like, okay, we scrapped. We understand each other now. But, like, now if you take somebody to the woodline, win or lose, like, you're getting in trouble. What's the point of winning if yeah, I'm going to get in trouble for Even it? if the other person wasn't even – like, someone's going to get you in trouble who wasn't even involved. Like, yeah, yeah. Do the like line, if you if you party, and Craig yeah. go to the wig to the woodline yeah, and Craig came back bleeding, motherfucker is gonna come tell on you, and then all of a sudden you're both privates again. It's fucking yeah. Scary. We heard we <laughs> you heard and your buddy coming from Ados and Craig's freaking tent last night. It was like yeah, yeah. I was just yeah, I was welcoming to the platoon. You know, it was his fire guard watch, and he overslept, so I was beating him with some socks. You know, no, you yeah. and your buddy can like for funsies agree, like we're going to fuck each other up and like you still end up getting fucked up for it. Like they'll, they'll yeah. still ruin your career over it. And you're like, what? Like Legit. these are two consenting parties. Okay. We had a kid hit an NCO during our train up in 18 and 19 and we had an active duty first art. And I was like, Oh, this is going to be great. You know, like we're about to murder this kid. And I was actively plotting on murdering him in his sleep, you know, cause I was an <laughs> NCO. You know, so like you're not just gonna put hands on NCOs and not have anything happening. So like in Minecraft, I was plotting on some some stuff for this kid, and um, first sergeant pulls a dude into his office and is like, "Look, man, if you want to fight NCOs, fight me. I'll fight you right now. I don't care. I'm a retired first sergeant after this deployment, so I don't care. Like, let's do it right now." And he wouldn't fight. And then it was like, "All right," but he was looking at us, and we were like, "Yeah, you know, we're about to scuff him up, right?" <laughs> As soon as you turn your back and the door closes, like, you know, it's, it's a free for all in here. And then he was like, uh, Sergeant Ados, and Sergeant Dickface and Sergeant so-and-so like, make it clear. Like you're not to put hands on this boy. All right. You know, he had his chance and he punked out, but next time, you know, you have something for him to do. If he wants to give a little pushback, you just bring him right here. I was like, bro. It was so hard to exercise like professional restraint because it was like he was smirking at us when we were walking back to the barracks, like, ha, 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 ha. Oh. you know, like I won or whatever. And it's like, if you only knew how close, if you're listening to this, by the way, if you know exactly who you are. And if you're listening to this, <laughs> I want you to know how close you came to having like two 240s that were tied together. So like 40 to 50 pounds worth of metal that was going to swing down and hit you right in the face. When you went oh. to go to like the potty or oh. something, bro, like we were plotting some nasty, like home alone type stuff on you. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fact that you survived the deployment with your rank and didn't, you know, have like a, a nasty accident along the way speaks to your testament of a, being a, a mediocre person. Dude, I want to find I want you to know you were like, this close you were literally like a cat hair away from a most certain big accident that was probably going to cost you some surgery at minimum <laughs> he's got tricare yeah uh, tri yeah now nah, we would have tried to find Dang. a way to be like nope happened off duty it was not during the performance of his duties so tricare is not going to mm -hmm. pick it up 
I mean, if you would have fallen off the LMTV face first while it was still driving, you know, that Forcefully. happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> happens literally all the time. Them damn troop straps. Maybe maybe I give him a fighting position and assign his sector of fire like in a snake pit. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, there's a snake in here. Yeah, that's fine, Doc. There's going to be snakes yeah, in Korea. Yeah, it's yours. Too. <laughs> Korea. Here we go. <laughs> there's going to be snakes in Korea. There's going to be snakes in Afghanistan. There ain't no snakes in Afghanistan. Boy, I've been to Afghanistan. You don't get to, you don't get to tell me what's over there. <laughs> There's definitely snakes in Afghanistan. I got counseled for yelling at a captain um, during a the last train up because we were doing stupid uh, role playing exercises, and because I had been to Afghanistan before, and our company had no mission. Basically, we were the role players, and they were like, "You're the village elder, or whatever." And I was like, "Oh boy." <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was just like following this dude around, trying to get him to give me money sent my dudes up to his soldiers to go rob them and stuff like that. And um, when we were leaving, like he went and shoved one of my privates, like the same private, as a matter of fact, that put hands on an NCO, um, <laughs> pushed that private. And I was like, decision-making time. Do we really probably lose a stripe over going hands-on with a captain? Or do we just like let this guy who has it coming have it coming? Option A, right? Like, we're, we're going to get down with the captain. So I like yeah, yoked him up it. real quick and was like, hey, you don't put hands on my soldiers. And he was like, well, he's doing stuff that they don't do over there. And I was like, how would you know? You've never been anywhere but ranger school. And they were like, index, index, index. Uh, Sergeant Hickman, you need to go back to the talk. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, I don't want to go to the talk, please. And um, I went to the talk and my company commander was like, so you did this? And I was like, yes, sir. Yes, sir, I did. I could have done better. But uh, I'm more disappointed that I didn't like scuff him up a bit more, honestly. And he's like, um, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I hate that guy. Right. So good on you. Good on you standing up for your troops because I hate that guy. I hate Captain what's his name or whatever. And I was like, thanks. And um, I ended up getting like a shot of Jim Beam from him because it was like a reward. Uh, but then, <laughs> then I got my talking privileges revoked. Yeah, I got my talking mm. privileges revoked. I couldn't go anywhere other than like. Basically, I had to attach myself to my weapon squad leader. Where he went, I had to go. I couldn't talk unless he gave me permission to. It was a, it was a fun time. A fun time. Well, it makes me feel any better. If I was your weasel and someone told me I was responsible for you, I'd be like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> You're well, not he, my problem. You're not a gun dude. Just go off and do your own thing, bro. He's So I was the AG for Gun 1 or whatever, and... um. I was at E5, so I was the only other NCO in the squad. Oh, you were in WEPS. Okay. Yeah. And um, they had pulled me from a maneuver squad and put me there because um, we had some questionable dudes, and they they just didn't want just him, you know? Um, so me and him, like, we didn't know a lot of each about each other. But then it became pretty clear. He was like, look, at your team. You operate it however you want to underneath the guidelines given to you, and we'll have no problems. Okay, cool. Um, but then, he like, he realized that, I had an ego, right? And I was always willing to, you know, have the biggest dick in the infantry pond, so to speak. So I, you know, I was always willing to call people pogues that shouldn't be called pogues, like division commanders that aren't 11 Bravos and stuff. Um, <laughs> even the, even the 11 Bravo division commanders, you can call them pogues. Don't matter. Right. So like, 
and he knew that I was not afraid to call out leadership. Like I, I didn't have a filter, so to speak. So if the Sergeant Major was like, you guys are using the radio too much during your live fire. And I look at Marn 7 and I'm like, hey, respectfully, that's what we're given. <laughs> and it makes it easier. So why not? Like I understand training without it, but train like you fight with radios. But anyway, um, but me and the dude are best friends now. Um, he, uh, he took really good care of me as an NCO and we got through like a lot of a lot of drama in, inside the squad over there. Um, but yeah, he did, he did really good at teaching me how to be a better leader as far as like, you don't have to talk about what you can do. You can just shut up and do it. Mm -hmm. Or you don't have to, you don't have to brag about what you just yeah, did. Yeah, like, show me or shut it. the fuck up. Yeah. Right. And um, once I started taking that approach of like, I didn't have to interject into every conversation with, well, based on my deployment, um, because there was only like six of us who had been overseas in like a 40 man company. Um, and I was the only, I was the youngest and lowest ranking person that had been over there. So I was always, you know, flexing on the other Joes or whatever, but he truly showed me how to be like that humble leader. That's just like, look, you don't have to yell. You don't have to scream. Just show your men what you expect of them. And if they fail you, you know, scuff them up and totally changed how, probably the caliber of soldier I was and definitely the caliber of leader I was. So let me, let me ask you all this. Um, everyone has a different leadership style, right? Like uh, sometimes one thing will work for a specific individual in the squad that won't work for another individual in the squad or team right. or platoon or whatever. Uh, so like when I, became a squad leader and then a, a weapon squad leader and then back to the line or whatever i i like i basically had like three rules and like first rule is you do what i say and if you think you have a better idea you can tell me but it's not gonna be in front of everyone else the second one was stay clean you're gonna shower i don't care where we are number three was shut the fuck up <laughs> and i think <laughs> personally i think that last one is the most important rule that any soldier enlisted or officer can learn in the military because running your mouth will get you in more trouble than anything else you do in the military. Like you commit yeah. war crimes, but you're not going to get in trouble unless you run your fucking mouth. Right. And like, it's hard to like, like soldiers, like be like, Oh, Hey, you guys can fuck off. I don't want to see you guys till, you know, zero six tomorrow morning. And then here, here it comes. Like, that's it. That was my guidance, but here it comes, the stupid fucking questions. Well, can we do this? Can we go off post? Can we do it? Like, you literally could have done anything and just shut the fuck up and gotten here at 06 tomorrow morning, and I could have given less of a fuck. But now you ask questions, now I have to answer the questions. So well, that's like, a big change that happened in the Army, too, because it was like when I first came in, there was no getting to ask your team leader why. <laughs> yeah. It was like, yeah, go no, do yeah. it or, or get crushed, basically. And I, like, I don't yell ever. Like, I'm one of those people where, like, my soldiers understand, like, if I look at you a certain way, you know, just shut your fucking mouth and just go with the flow. But, like, I, I don't, I'm, I stopped yelling after I was a team leader. Like, there's just no point. So I'm yeah. curious, like, each of you, if you had, like, three rules that you could give to your lower enlisted, junior ncos coming into team leader positions or even like just that brand new joe three rules that you think will make them a better soldier what would they be one lie to everybody else but never lie to me 
That's a good one. Right, because <laughs> if, if I'm going to protect you no, and good. I'm going to like keep you under my wing, I need to know everything. Right, the fuck's going on? Yeah, yeah. Like you can lie to everyone else, but tell me the truth, <laughs> and I'll do everything I can to. If I, I've always been an ownership of like, if if my dude's going to get punished, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm, Unless yeah. it's like from the platoon sergeant or the squad leader, like if it's my guy, I'm going to punish him. Um, so the if you tell me the truth, you know, obviously I can punish you accordingly compared to going off of a lie, which may be worse or, you know, um, my second one would be know your job, like know exactly what is expected of you. If that's from me giving you an initial counseling or from you just being a sponge and soaking up what I expect of you, um, during movements, during halts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So be it, but know, know what you need to do. So that way I don't have to tell you. Three, if you make my job easier, I make the next dude's jobs easier, the next dude's jobs easier, etc. Success goes uphill, but shit rolls downhill. So like if you, for instance, like if you were, were doing really, really good at the bottom, my fire teams got stuff done before I told them to. Now my squad leader's happy because we've got an extra 15 minutes worth of whatever time that he needed that just opened up, you know, if every squad just did that, that opened up an extra hour worth of time for the platoon. If the whole, you know, if that, the more that goes up, the easier stuff becomes. But if you fail rule number one, rule number two, or rule number three, that's when stuff starts getting stupid and you don't have time to do things and you're constantly monitored. You, you know, there's no white space anymore. Oh yeah. I, so I think you hit it like, and Craig, Eli, I know you guys know this, like, when I was this private, my squad leader told me, uh, it might have been team leader, actually. My team leader told me, your job is not to think. Your job is to fucking do exactly what I told you without thinking. And I yep. 1,000% disagree with that. Like, I yep. think my soldiers should be thinking the entire time because I yep. want them to understand why they're doing it so that later they can do it without me telling them. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's just that somebody who didn't want to get questioned. I yeah, think is like, yeah. there's a difference between thinking and voicing an opinion, right? Like I yes. want all my dudes to be thinking, but if I'm like, Hey, we're moving across this open ground and we're going to do it in this. I don't need private snuffy who was in JROTC to be like, um, sorry. I think it would be better if we did it in a column. Yeah, no, shut a up. Bad idea. Yeah. Shut the fuck yeah, up. We're doing it anyway. Up, we're still it. doing it. <laughs> right. It doesn't matter. You're an E2. Your job is to die basically. Right. Like <laughs> the army doesn't care about you until you're an E4 basically, you know, your like, job is to die. <laughs> yeah. You, if, if, if there's, before, if I need to get across the wired obstacle and I don't have anything to snip it with, buddy, you're yeah. how we're getting across that wired obstacle. I hate <laughs> a body bridge, my dude. Legit. If I need to do a water crossing and I don't want to get my feet wet, buddy you're you're about to be my float you know what i mean like privates are tools i i respect them and i use them as people but like ultimately when you're an e1 or e2 even all the way up to e3 your whole mentality should just be to shut up absorb everything that you can and then do whatever you can to make the next dude's job easier metal because if not worst case scenario someone's taken off the gas mask and it's not the e5 it's not the e6 (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. If we, if we need to test whether it's a chemical area that's been cleared or not, I'm going to be like, uh, Hey boy, go, 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 go catch this ball. Go, go. And as soon as you take off running, I'm ripping off your gas mask, bro. Speaking of the modern generation of soldiers, who's going to really do that for you? David Goggins, because he's going to carry the boat. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I uh, Tim Kennedy oh. will be there way before you know any private show up to uh, take <laughs> oh, pictures. Jesus. Here we go. <laughs> I will. I will say though, and I, maybe this is probably a it's a difference in leadership styles because of the it's like a positionary difference. Um, your first rule, I like, but I'm okay. Like as a PL, right? I'm okay with my platoon sergeant in front of the Joes voicing a difference of opinion or uh, voicing, uh, hey, what if we did it this way, sir? And oh, you're I talking about my, my rule. Yeah, your rule. I think the oh. key within that for me, though, is knowing how to do it correctly and also understanding that at the end, yeah, Tactic. and at at the end of the day, it's still entirely possible, even if I think you have a great idea that I'm going to tell you, no, we're doing it my way. And I need you to buy into that, that there is going to be times where I I'm going to say, Hey, great idea, but we're still doing it my fucking way. And you like, as my platoon sergeant, I need you to be like, cool, like Roger, sir, let's, let's fucking do it that way. And not, not like, well, you know, LT said we're doing it this way. He's a fucking idiot. But what? What? No, I need you to like to be on board, and and, and like trust me. Um, I agree and the, with that. The reasoning by uh, for for allowing him to interject in front of the Joes is because he's the man of the people. I'm not. Yeah. And like, I want him to be able to say, "Hey, like these are my fucking soldiers. I understand that they fall under you as well. But like, I am the man of the people." And like, this is what I want for my my soldiers, and I, I'm completely okay with that level of interjection. I think. I mean, I think a good. I think platoon that, sergeant would just duct tape you upside down to a tree. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> sir. Next time the, I tell you something, <laughs> you had, do it. padlock the you in your that, fucking office. The part qualifying of that that's kind of lost. Oh yeah, hundred percent qualified. But <laughs> I think the part that's lost in translation is like. And I'm not saying between like you and me, I'm saying like between like PLs and senior NCOs in general, because I run into this all the time, especially overseas, is like the the PL plans the mission. That's it. Put it on paper, shoot it to the boys. The boys execute that mission how they see fit. Yeah. So as long Here's as they're following right. other than that, exactly, I don't give as long shit. as they're following the limits of that mission and they accomplish the mission, it is up to them how they accomplish it. And it's I the think, old mission mission command theory, where you just yeah. Let and I think a lot of in. that's lost in in today's military because I sure as shit got the incorrect part of that mission planning. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's but tough. No, I, like, I agree with you, especially Tactics for like correct, n- yeah. new PLs. Like I can I can see how it's it's difficult because like you know, I'm going to plan and then I'm going to allow my platoon sergeant to have mission command and, and the NCOs within this platoon to have mission command and, and do things their way. But I don't know you yet. Like, I don't know if I can trust you and I have to take that risk of like, here's planning. Um, now execute, do your thing. Um, and there's that, that initial, and I think what ends up happening is, new PLs get nervous and they end up trying to fucking micromanage the execution because they oh, don't know if, if, if they can trust yet. And, and the key yeah. is, is being able to just say like, Hey, I don't know shit. You have the experience. Like I trust you blindly and don't fuck me over for, for trusting you. So right before, um, right before I went to recruiting, I had like six months with my unit and um, 
they I wanted to take over weapons, right? Like that was the next logical step for me because I knew the secession of command where people were going, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, ha I'm going to get weapons. And they were like, nope, sorry. The new training NCOs got weapons. And I was like, gay. I was like, but you know what, <laughs> what, what am I going to do then? You know? And they were like, they were like, what, what do you mean? What are you going to do? And I was like, what, what do you mean? What do I mean? Like, where, where's my slot? And they were like, oh, you're the RTO. And I was like, nope. Absolutely no, not. I was like, absolutely not. And they were like, what do you mean? And I was like, number one, I've been an RTO on a deployment during the deployment and it sucks and I'm not doing it back home. I'm just not, I'm not, I'm above that now. And they were like, but listen. And I was like, no, <laughs> like, I don't want to be the RTO. And I was like, give me one good reason for me to be the RTO. And they were like, look, we don't know about this PL that we just got. Like he's a brand new kid, um, just commissioned. Like we don't know his experience or anything. So Basically, we're going to make you his RTO, and any time that he says something stupid and wants to put it out, you just make it make sense, right? Like, we're here to keep – you're the, the difference between us getting killed and us staying alive. That's the wrong answer, though, bro. <laughs> and I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, we're just going to basically have you mentor the PL, and you'll be the link in between us and them. Like, if he's going to say something stupid, then you know. And I was like, yeah, y- yes, but, like, at the at the same time, like – wouldn't I just be the PL then? And they were like, <laughs> yeah, I would just fire him and that'll <laughs> promote me. I was like, you know, that, cause that's basically what this sounds like is, you know, he does something and then I kind of do my own thing, which I, I did occasionally, you know, that wasn't the right move whenever I was a E4 as an RTO, but there was a couple of times the Lieutenant said something and it didn't make sense. And I changed it when I put it out on the radio. Um, but, you know, Another was, another uh, leadership rule, and I guess this isn't a rule for subordinates. This is more just no, yeah, a, give, us, give us your three. I want to hear your three. Give us your three. I guess another – it wouldn't be like a rule for a subordinate, but another kind of r- rule of thumb that I try to emphasize with myself is when uh, when you're pushing shit down and you, know, you hear the moans and groans, be, like, be cognizant of where the moans or groans are coming from. Yes. Like, not everyone should like you. If everyone likes you, you're, you're not doing your job. Yeah, you're not doing your job. But when you start getting moans and groans from those NCOs that you do trust, that are fucking solid, that you just you have to be aware of where it's coming from because there's always going to be there's always going to be people that are unhappy with you because you ask them to do their fucking job. But yep. knowing what knowing when like having enough of a finger on the pulse to know when like okay, like this is actually going to be uh, like a morale crippling situation versus like this is, this is how, it, how it's going to be. Like suck it the fuck up and we've got to do this job. I was always told like, especially once I became a leader, especially that like soldiers are always going to cry and complain, right? That's just, mm-hmm. it's what we do. When they don't is when you need to start worrying. <laughs> Whenever they're not giving you any sort of pushback, there's no moaning, there's no groaning, there's no yeah, because they're uh, plotting to kill you in your fucking sleep. That's either that, or <laughs> they have they're done, they're defeated, right? Like they're either actively plotting to do something, well, not plotting to do something, or they're done with you, or mentally they've they've checked out. Um, and I, you know, I, the old phrase was like, it, it could be you know raining, uh boobs and pussy and soldiers are going to complain that there's not an equal ration of assholes. <laughs> um, 
So that's kind of something I always took into account because it does get frustrating as a leader whenever you're like, all right, guys, we've got to go do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And then it's, ah, oh, again, are you kidding me? Does the six not know? And it's like, yeah, dude, I get it, right? Like I'm the messenger. It's not my idea. We just have to get it done. Um, but then there's times where like you put out that information and instead of getting like a Roger Sarnt or whatever, and then people go in about it, it's just nothing. And then they just kind of meander off aimlessly. And you're like, oh, you know, what's wrong with my dudes? Like, that's kind of how I've always gauged how my yeah. guys are is like, if they're not giving me some sort of not pushback, but if they're not trying to engage me in conversation or at least complain about what we're doing now, yeah. I'm worried about you. <laughs> yeah. Cause now they feel like truly fucking stabbed in the back. They're like, fuck this guy. Yeah. My third would be I will never um, instruct you to do something that I would not do myself, even though it might appear that way. Um, like understanding that my role is different from your role. And it might seem like, well, you're just having me do your bitch work or what the fuck ever. Like I wouldn't ask you to do it if I wasn't willing to do it. And that's, Yeah, that's a tough one too. Because like they don't know. They have no idea what you've done. They have yeah. no idea... Yeah. why you're telling them to do it because all they see is that you're telling them to do it so yeah. they don't they have no clue yeah, that's a tough I bet he's never dug a foxhole in ROTC. Yeah. yeah this dude's never done kp get the fuck out of here i did kp yeah. for 17 hours straight get the fuck out yeah. of here bro yeah. right yeah like there's times where um like he just said you know like those guys are going to try to spot check your experience um yeah but the thing is like truly nobody knows what you've done except you my thing was like yeah if we're filling sandbags or something, I'm gonna get out there and do it with you or whatever. But like, there's, there were tasks that I handed out that I did not go do with my team. And if they were like, oh, you're not going to come do it with me. And it's like, A, I either have something legitimately better to do that's command directed or B, this is something I've done a million times and yeah. I don't need to supervise you. You know what I mean? Like just because yeah. I'm an E5 doesn't mean that I am now included in every detail. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I did like, my time, can... God damn it basically i mean what's the point of earning yeah exactly what was what was yeah. the point of me sticking around for so long if i don't get yeah. some benefit from it what's the point of being an e6 if i still have to do the same exact thing as five four three two one but and i, well, and I is... know this is like a fucking everyone knows this once you get there but nobody knows this under there so i just want to put it out there for anyone who listens to this who's not e6 those e6s overseas had to deal with so much shit Yes. Oh my god. The amount of stuff that these motherfuckers have to do just to get a mission off the ground and running because the platoon leader can't plan, evaluate, submit, have approved, and then articulate to the rest of the platoon his mission that you all have to do. And by the way, the E6s are leading. The E6s do it. So yeah. those E6s, man, pff, you guys, heroes. Yeah, our well, E6s and our deployment. Like our company a, commander was vacant at best. Like you only ever <laughs> saw him in the gym, basically. Um, our first aren't same way and our platoons aren't same way. Uh, we had a really good PL, but the E6s literally drove our company and drove that whole deployment. 100%, yeah. They were the ones who were getting stuff done, making sure troops to task got filled out, making sure that it, they were great at it too, dude. Like they'd bring you chow. If you couldn't get off your guard post to yep. go get chow, they'd come pull your shift for you. If you need it. That's needed. what they're for. They yeah. are, they are the most like the backbone that when we talk about NCOs being backbone military, it is the squad leaders 
who are the backbone of the military. They take care of their mm-hmm. fucking guys. If you're a good one, you take care of your fucking guys. You make sure they have chow. They make sure where they're, they're supposed to be, where they are, when they are. And they're always ready for combat. That yeah. is your job. And my if squad, 36 is doing his job, he is to the bone tired. <laughs> yeah, and and it's, it's, that's exactly how it was. And that's why, like, our accountability, like, I maybe saw my squad leader in passing twice a week. Yeah. Other than that, like all he asked was I had like a white dry erase board outside my door and I would write down the names of my teams, their locations and what their schedule was. So he could come and look outside my door and go, okay, his team, he's got two people here and two people here. Okay, cool. And then he knows before he lays down because uh, he had me and the other AG uh, co-located barracks wise. So he could just come in there and he would know, okay, cool. This is where my entire squad is. You know, he knows that I've got everything during the daytime. Basically, he had everything at night because of how the schedule was. And it it was good, but it was also like, like you said, those dudes worked themselves to the bones. So um, the E5s really, really had to step up and learn how to how to mitigate between squad yep. leader and, and team or else you're running. Like good to, team leaders are so important. Yep. Or else you're running to your mm-hmm. squad leader every 30 minutes, waking them up like, uh, Private Snuffy lost his pistol. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, dude! The amount of times I got woken up because somebody couldn't fix some stupid fucking problem. Oh my god. Yep. Use your fucking brain. The E5 and E6. One one advantage there is within that, like that leadership um, role, is that a lot of your, um, a lot of your tasking is like, uh, it's a it's it's seen by you know, private snuffy. It's seen by specialist fucking schmuckatelli. They're they're witnessing like, holy fuck, dude! My squad leader never stops. Like he is always fucking busy. And but they part don't of the, get it. They don't yeah, understand they, what you're doing. They don't exactly. see what you're doing. They just know exactly. you're moving. Exactly. And like thinking back to being like a private, and there was t- there's times where you know you even in garrison you walk into a fucking into like a, a day room and you're like god it just everybody's just fucking sitting around in here meanwhile like i'm cleaning my 700th m4 of the fucking day like must be nice to just sit on your ass and then you know you you end up getting into those leadership positions and you realize like no they they're not just sitting around fucking around like it is it, being in leadership within the military is fucking chaos constantly and it's not it's not easy to relay that down the chain of command and make sure that, you know, your Joe's know like, Hey, I am busting my fucking ass for you. Uh, where the E five E six, like it's, it's visually a lot of the times they don't know what you're doing, but they can like, your soldiers can look at you and be like, I don't know what the fuck he does, but he's literally never stops. You want to know how you can uh, use that to get out of details and stuff like that? Yeah, of course. Anytime that you're going from point A to point B, especially if you're on your own free time, have your little green notebook out like that you get from supply Mm -hmm. and just walk with it in one hand and take a look down at it like every five to ten steps. (laughs) And then people will automatically look at you and assume that you're hunting something or somebody down from that book and that you're not available for testing. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I've done it. I I used to do it all the time, dude. All the yeah. time, I'd just be like, "Oh, I've got to, I got to walk all the way to the other side of the fob, and I got to pass like everyone 
hand me my notebook. <laughs> and I just like walk around looking like I was hunting somebody down. And if I got stopped, they'd be like, Hey, you doing anything? And it's like, Oh yeah. Um, Sergeant Botha told me I needed to go track down something. And they'd be like, Sergeant Botha. And I'd be like, yeah, I don't have time. And I, like, I got time for this D's nuts joke, but I can't get you because it'll blow my cover. <laughs> but hey, yeah, I just, Eli. I just make NCOs names all the time. Eli, it's your turn. Three rules. Three rules as a leader. Yeah. To, so three rules for your Joes that you think will help them in the future or team leaders. Joes are team leaders. Um, I'd always say right attitude. If you go into everything with the right attitude, you can make everything better. It's not easy every day, uh, especially like towards the end of a long deployment or uh, a field op or something. But right attitude it's going to get you set up for success for sure. And even it'll help you embrace the suck. Right. So, uh, yeah, just suffer. That's a great motto. Just suffer. Just allow it to hurt. <laughs> Rule one. Suffer and you. <laughs> no, nah, just, just right attitude. You know, I learned that the hard way. My, when I was active duty in the Marine Corps, like I didn't get in trouble, but I, I left a lot on the table. I mean, I, I liked being trying to be the fastest mortarman, you know, be the best gunner or whatever. I like to be good at my job and it also also knew lives depended on it, right? But I never I was never motivated. I was like, I'm not reenlisting. I don't want to be in a leadership role. Like, I don't know. Uh so when I joined the guard, I hundred percent said, you know, I'm gonna make I'm gonna go hard this time. And uh, you know, having the right attitude. It's whether it's uh, military, my Joes, or at my civilian job. I mean, I've done very well civilian side just by starting there. And it's something you can't teach. You have to decide to do that. So right attitudes, rule number one. Rule number two would be always do your pre-combat checks. Like, make sure you have all your shit. Like, I, I, I will lose my shit if you are not prepared. Like simple on the simple things. So, uh, I'd say rule three as one of my Joes or any Joe that's going to help you succeed uh, would be know the job below you and above you. Even if you're on the bottom, know, start knowing the job above you. If you're the next one up, then you got one below and one above to learn. So, uh, just keep doing that, and that'll keep you prepared. Because uh, where I came from, it was always you had to know the guy above his job, and um, a lot of times, like I feel like since I've been in the guard, uh, they won't. In my experience, I've been in five different state guards in the infantry. They're very hesitant to put a specialist in charge of a sergeant. Whereas yeah. in the Marine Corps, we, we'd have guys that came off, did their first two years security forces like guarding nuclear subs or being on the silent drill team or guarding the White House. And you have to be infantry to do those jobs. And then they come to the fleet where we've been shoot, moving and communicating. And they'd be like, yeah, dude, you're basically Lance Corporal. I don't care if you're a corporal. And then there's a Lance Corporal in charge of me. And... Um, it was more about performance than rank, and I feel like in the guard we could do a better job of that. Yeah. Um, 
that right. whole absolutely. maybe we should absolutely maybe yeah a lot of times in the guard they're not writing up a guy and saying no don't promote him like they're like yeah just push him through never like, no, dude never have i seen someone get denied promotion i've only seen it when they've been like a e3 to e4 and they were grossly out of shape yeah yeah if you're, yeah, if you're fat or slow sure yeah but like for incompetence we need to start demoting people for incompetence i think yeah yeah. Well, we need like better metrics. You gotta know your, for, for, you gotta need, know your need, job, bro. We need like better metrics for evaluating. Test. Like you have a written test in the yeah. Marine Corps, and I think the Army should adopt that because there's things yeah, that you should know going E1 to two, two to three, three to four, and especially four to five. Except know, land navigation. Think... Don't give me a fucking written land nav test. I swear to God, it's my least favorite thing that the fucking Army does. It I is a like... test in <laughs> itself. Don't make me do it written. <laughs> you could you but so like I knew who to listen to and not listen to. Okay, that's not a good way to say that. I was an E six and I was on I was a safety for a live fire and we had just gotten all this fresh batch of like uh what are the tour duty dudes and like all these dudes coming on deployment who are not from the battalion. So we we're doing a live fire with all these dudes and I could like I watched all of them. Every single fire team, every single squad, I was the safety for for this live fire. So I could tell like who was a good leader based off how they interacted with the men and how they interacted with like each other. I'd be like, that dude should not be a fucking six. That dude should not be a five. Like and I was correct, turns out a year later, after the whole thing ended, I was like, Man, that dude should not have been promoted. But they like promoted him anyway because he was you know, it was his time. So like, oh well, he went to, you know, ALC, so might as well promote him. But you can tell yeah, it's a like, lot of it's a lot of just these motherfuckers boxes. in a live fire and have their board quote unquote board, you know, follow them in a live fire for the infantry and see how they interact with the soldiers. Because you can tell right there. Yeah. That's it. As for a written that's, test, I don't know. Well, that would require sergeant majors and them to actually like, you know, yeah. have their office come down. You how many Okay, let's look at it this way. All these guys are getting promoted. And I, I this kind of triggers me to our yellow ribbon last weekend. Dude. I didn't go. How are these sergeant majors sergeant majors? Because we just push people through. And by the time you're like me, E7, 19 years in, you're like, I'm not doing more than I have to to retire. Like, I'm not staying any longer because we're so fed up with the BS, like, it's mm -hmm. a grind if you want to do the right thing all the time and try your hardest. And then you have these sergeant majors up here who are clueless, who don't know anything, don't care about their Joes, just running their mouths. So, like, if you get if you get a good sergeant major who knows what he's talking about, which is few and far between, your Joes, your soldiers are so motivated. And that, like, I, we have to stop just promoting people. They have yeah, to be yeah. tactically and technically proficient. They have to be professional. They have to be physically fit and know the job above and below them and be ready to go. And, you know, we have to stop because these guys just go up there, run their mouths like you go to a yellow ribbon and you get officers and sergeant majors just blah, 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 blah. That makes no difference to your life. Like, how about you get some, you know, some real war fighters up there 
who are who are motivated about their craft you know like i i would have to say our company commander this deployment knows how to motivate a group he's been the dude he's hardcore and like you wear on each other after so much time together. Yes, but you're going to do that with anyone. I did that with my guys at the end of, you know, by the end of this deployment. We come home and we're super tight, but you need people like that. And we need those in the NCO core to really, uh, to really change the culture and keep us strong. And I, I think that's what the we're problem, missing is just pushing the, the problem is, is like in order to, in order to, you know, become a sergeant major, like the level of, and I, I, some, some portion of me is being funny here, but another portion of me is also dead serious. The level of like narcissism mm -hmm. that oh, yeah. you have to yeah. have in order to make it there. Like, I, you want me to I, say it? I'll say it. You got to suck the dick, bro. Exactly. Like, I'll like, say it. You, you have to suck the dick. Like you can't just promote to Sergeant Major. You have to make the correct friends because yeah. if you don't, you're not going to fucking make it. And those I need dudes, the right people to like yeah. me to sign off, and it doesn't have to be my Joe's. <laughs> like it does not have to, to be those them. people. It's it's almost a political position. Like just like the battalion <laughs> commander yeah. and the brigade commander and the division commander, they're all political positions. They're making political moves to further the career. Like I understand that I do, but, but the sergeant major is supposed to be in charge of the the boys. Like he's supposed to be for the boys. So you can't be a political position because you can't afford it. Because if you are, the boys suffer. And you will lose mm. more. It's it's worse. It's worse in the guard than active duty. I've been both, and I'll tell you, there's just so many less positions, and there's so much good old boys and people who've known each other because you don't rotate as much. You're not moving across the country to different bases. You know, there's two infantry battalions in Michigan. So if you're an infantryman, you're in one of those two. Like I'm eleven Charlie. There's two platoon sergeants in the entire state. Luckily, there was an opening and I got promoted. I thought I was going to retire as a six. Like, there's just nowhere to go. And, you know, luckily I have a lot of points because I have a bachelor's degree and whatever. But, you know, uh, it's it's a real challenge to get promoted in the guard. And you have like 85 and, deployments, like a billion ribbons. Yeah. Well, <laughs> your, your knees are shot, you know. But Yeah, like <laughs> It's it's hard, man, and like no, and the I state just, uh, the state our, dictates it a lot too. Like, like oh, Montana, yeah, yeah. our our fucking guard is like a thousand people. Like, it's not, Jeez. it's tiny. It's fucking tiny. So, like, good old boys is like, like you've never like you you can't even fucking imagine how yeah, that's so small. Like how people take these positions, and it's Italian it's exclusively staff, like all the fucking cousins of the division commander. Exactly, like they all went to high school together. You're like, what the fuck? Like, it, it, this this state is. I I cannot wait to get out of this guard. Uh, this is where guard careers go to die. And being not being someone that has had my entire guard experience be in this state, uh, like career wise, it's like mildly crippling because you're just like well i didn't come in as a private haven't made the right friends like i'm the outsider and it, it just doesn't i don't know it doesn't go well but it it is i mean it's all it's all who you it's know depressing. Like at that, it's at depressing that level, is what it is yeah you don't have to be you don't have to be fucking qualified you don't have to be like proficient it's just like who do you know and it goes back to the 
there's there's these leaders, right, that they're like, I don't give a fuck about the rank. I don't care about any of that. Uh, I'm here for the Joes, right? And I don't think that that's the right answer. The no. other side of the coin where you're like, you know, like I'm here just to kiss ass and make my way to the top. I'm here for me. That's also not the right side of the coin. And the reason being you need, like if you're a solid fucking leader that actually cares about your Joes, you also have to play ball. Like you have to play ball so you can get into those positions. So you can continue to take care of soldiers. If you're the guy that's like, fuck it, take my rank. Like, fuck you, sir. I'm not doing that. I'm here for the boys like that. You're you're fucked. You're fucking them over in the long run because now some other dickhead's gonna come in, be in that position, and because you you were all about the boys, you can't take care of them anymore. Yeah, and it's it's I, hard. It's hard as fuck for people to to wrap their head around that. Like how how can you like, you know, how can you be willing to play ball with these political positions and at the same time say that you're about you can't you, you know can't taking care of soldiers. You can't do both. You have to choose one. I, but the, you cannot lie to their faces and then go to like some random fucking assembly with the CENTCOM sergeant major and the CENTCOM commander and be like, oh, I care about soldiers. And then go to each outstation and then shit on them. Well, Not calling yeah, out any sure. names. Cough, cough, cough. <laughs> but like <laughs> that shit fucking happened and I, we were all fucking pissed. Like a certain sergeant major showed up and was a complete piece of shit late to PT that he organized shit on the PT the whole time, <laughs> fell out of the run and then continued to talk shit the entire existence there and then left before we got attacked and then went and talked shit in the fucking CENTCOM um, talk in Erbil or whatever the fuck. Like, you can't do both. You can't be like, oh, I'm here to motivate the troops and then shit on them and then go talk shit about them in the fucking CENTCOM talk. Get out of here. You just yeah. can't, like, and you can't... Uh... You can't sell out to the idea of like, no. I'll I'll set my career on fire on behalf of taking care of the boys. Like you have to take care of yourself in in your career in order to take care of the boys. Uh, when you can think, do it, you can do it. It's not black and white. Like Burke, I think you're alluding to. That's a bigger situation at such a higher rank. But like my first platoon sergeant would like jump on a sword for us but he wouldn't do anything stupid to like ruin his career no he retired yeah, no, he exactly. retired as an but E6. you know what i you know but, what i would have done if i was a certain he's like we would do we would run through a wall for that guy we got we hit an ied in iraq he got hit he goes home and my the rest of my entire marine corps career changed because we did not have a bullshit deflector so like but you have to walk that line. So like this deployment in particular, I try to look out for my guys. Sometimes I had to run them in the ground to get some things done and I felt bad, but it had to happen. And that's where I can't just be a bullshit deflector just because I like them. You have to kind of, you know, make sure no, you're keeping the command out of their ass. So yeah, it yeah. has to make sense. It has to it has to be a fight you can win. That makes sense. Yeah. But mm -hmm. what I'm saying is that you can't preach this and then come here and then make it worse and then go back and then talk shit about how you didn't make it worse, but you really did. That's what happened. Yeah, for sure. And the, the problem is, yeah. if you would have not showed up in the first place, that place would have been better off. So mm -hmm. just don't show up. Like, we're better off <laughs> without you because we're now waking up at 4.30 to do dumbass organized PT. I You're taking... 
20% of my guard post off of guard shift to do PT. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> but that's what he was saying earlier is it takes a certain sense of narcissism to be a no, certain it's wild. Yeah, exactly, it is exactly. Wild. exactly. And then you're late. Like, you show up late. <laughs> that's that's it exactly is fucking wild. Like, the amount of narcissism. It's it's fucking incredible. Tell like, yeah, you well, my uniform. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Wears a fucking fleece jacket and civilian PT shorts to PT. Get out of here. Gross. <laughs> All right. So this, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you guys both answer this and we'll we'll wrap up with this. So if you could give uh, a brand new private, a brand new, like fresh out of basic training, brand new fucking private, if you could give them one piece of advice that you think would better their guard reserve career, what would it be? Mm. I, I'll go first on that one because uh, I made this mistake when I was in the Marine Corps is, and I didn't realize it till I got out, is uh, it, you need to, not to say embrace the suck, but look at what you're doing and realize that you're in a position that like 1% of Americans are in. And even no matter what MOS you're in, you're getting paid to like shoot guns and blow stuff up sometimes, even if you're a truck driver. So like enjoy those moments, focus on it and let that motivate you. That would be mine. Absolutely. I'd say I'm going to go dark here. You're going to suffer a lot like you're going to suffer like you've never suffered in your entire life and it's not going to make any sense to you in the moment but then you're going to look back on it and you're going to think of all the horrible things that happened to you and only think about the good things you're going to think about the boys you're going to think about all the fun yep. you had you are think about the people you met you think about the good you did in the world because there is good it's like that little light at the end of the tunnel in the darkness that you went through but there is a lot of good so you're going to suffer a lot so you got to learn how to suffer you got to look at the good and what a fucking great tool to give someone the ability to be uncomfortable like i, I yeah. this is this is a silly example but i i had someone ask about um my like first semester of nursing school right i was like working full-time in nursing school i was doing army shit like i was fucking and i'm taking like 26 credits because i had some extra classes i had to make up and somebody Jeez. asked me, they're like, how they're like, how did you do that? Like, how did you pull there's no fucking way? Like, how did you pull that off? And I'm like, what the army has given me is the ability to always say, like, I've had worse months. Like, I've mm -hmm. I've life's been shittier. And like being busy is not this is not the worst thing that you know has ever happened to me. Where you put other, you know, you and, and not to say that civilians don't go through adversity, but you put you put other people in that situation, they crumble and fall apart because it's genuinely the worst thing. It's the worst their life has ever been in that moment. And being mm -hmm. able to, through the army, be like, yeah, I've, I've, I've always had worse days. Like there's there's worse days I can always fall back yeah. on and be like, well, you know, like today's not, it's not that shitty. Yeah, yep. For those few civilians listening, we're not saying you guys don't suffer. <laughs> we're not saying... That you guys don't have hard things in your life. We're just saying that when it comes down to it, like when you're getting rocketed or cluster bombed and people are shooting at you and you have to make decisions in a split second for like 
eight other people and you have to direct them where they go because they're all staring at you because you have all the decisions and you're like trying to make these decisions but also keep them alive. That's different. Well, and like the similar format of that is like the the army cold versus civilian cold. Yeah. Like you oh, yeah. you've never been army cold. If yeah. you've been army cold, you know, or like army hot. You're like, damn, this this is like an entire it's a whole new metric. People when people are like, oh, you know, I'm a little chilly. I'm like, nope, it's been worse. I'm like, <laughs> I'm I'm not army cold, so we're all right. I can bundle up. Somebody's not gonna tell me to fucking put my fleece cap back in my goddamn ruck. Yes. So it's fucking <laughs> negative 12 degrees and it's completely reasonable for me to fucking have it. I'm going to put a beanie on today. Yeah. Or here's my thing. Like now people will be like, oh, it's so cold out. And I just like, just be cold. Yeah. Like I'll just be cold. And I'm like, I'm okay. Just being cold. Or if it's like 110 degrees out and people are like, oh, it's so hot. I, mean, I have to like take this off. I'd be like, or just be hot. Just exists in that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it doesn't. Nothing happens. <laughs> just be it's hot. Good for you. Comfortable being uncomfortable. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's hard to explain to people. Like, yeah, you're cold, but have you ever tried just not worrying about it? <laughs> <laughs> I hear what you're saying, but if you thought about just not being a bitch, yeah, I don't. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> I was doing it today. I was like walking out the car. My girlfriend's like, oh, it's so cold, shivering. And I was like, huh. I just <laughs> don't care. <laughs> can you not? Can you not be cold, please? Can you or, yeah, at least keep, keep your cold to yourself? She was like <laughs> enamored that I wasn't wearing a jacket. And I was like, just be cold. We're going to be in a car. There's heat. <laughs> yeah. It works. <laughs> Yeah, it works on like every other vehicle. <laughs> yeah, it's instead of it'll just make noise and not blow anything. <laughs> well, gentlemen, uh, I absolutely appreciate you guys having on uh, having you guys on. Um, one more time, tell everybody where they can find you, where they can uh, they can track down the the website and your Instagram, all that good stuff. Eli, send it. So, uh, website bunker bros Instagram at the real bunker bros. And then on Facebook, look up bunker bros. Make sure you go to the website. We have a small store right now. It'll be growing and we're looking to do great things. And thank you very much for having us on today. It was awesome. Yeah. We appreciate meeting you guys. We really like the page and hope to follow you guys and your progress in the future. Man, awesome. dude, thanks for coming on, man. We y'all are great. We, we greatly appreciate it. What else do we have? Is there anything else we have scheduled? Dude, did you see um, about that North Carolina guardsman that just got popped by a CID for a murder for hire plot? No. What? Yeah, That some, happened uh, down in Texas, too. Some dude, um, his mom got killed by like a drunk driver or somebody on her way home from her teaching job. And um, he was trying to pay to have that person killed. <laughs> It's like, be a oh. man, do it yourself, bro. Oh, I got you. So he got wrapped up for like trying to hire somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I, I thought he was the hitman at first. Like that's how it read. But no, nah, he was uh, he was paying somebody to take out the person that t- took out his mom. And I was like, <laughs> just, bro, I'll tell you this. If I lose anybody important to me at the hands of somebody else, 
just know when I I don't go in contact to start watching news in Georgia because <laughs> I'm about to I'm about to John Wick something. Like it's gonna get bad. No, and the 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 dude in Texas that I was referencing was a Texas National Guardsman on Operation Loans Loans that was answering requests online for a hitman. And like so some some of these like emails back and forth. He's fucking emailing a Fed. But some of these emails back and forth are like, I am an infantryman. I'm a trained killer. Like I will do this and no one will know what happened. And I'm like, oh right. my God. I was like, you will dump a mag of M4 up into a fucking hillside and then get behind a truck. Come on. Yeah. Give me my shit. We're not, we're, we're not we're not what we what what the world thinks we are. And then what else? What else did we have? Oh, uh, I wanted you to tell people. I don't know if you got it going or anything like that, but I wanted to tell. I wanted you to tell people about um, the Twitch and some of the, I guess, the new media stuff that we're talking about doing. Um, because I think previously we've kind of pigeonholed ourselves to Instagram and a little bit to Facebook. Um, we're wanting to expand outside of that. And we're wanting to bring in some like new ways for you guys, the listeners, to like hang out with uh, myself and Corey. So uh, if you want to fill them in on the the Twitch uh, and where we're at with that, that would be that would be rad. Okay. Um, just to let everybody know, we've been talking about it, and we're trying to uh, make things a little bit more inclusive and give a little bit more interaction to you guys with us. Uh, so. We're going to have a Twitch page. Um, for those of you that don't know what Twitch is, it's um, it's a streaming service, but it's just video games. So it might be me, it might be Craig, it might be both of us in there playing, um, you know, whatever game of the day it is. And, you know, sometimes we might bring uh, some Nasty Gardenation members on to play games with us, or otherwise it might just be, you know, a, a much more chill version of the podcast where it's just us gaming and being us um we're getting that up and running that will be done by the end of the month uh i'm thinking february 1st would be a good time to go live with that um i like it i like it we'll be posting links on both of our instagrams and all of our social medias to try to get as much traction as we can Uh, like craig said earlier the more that you guys talk and share and get the word back out there the better um Cause we're basically starting from scratch again and we're super excited to do it. But, uh, y'all have been more than accommodating and awesome before. And we're leaning on you guys to do it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's what I, I think that's the, the biggest crusher from losing everything was knowing like how many people like bought in, how many people subscribed, how many people were like on board and we're like, when's the next episode? When's the next episode? Um, so that, getting it, emails about it like like emails non-stop. yeah yeah like when are y'all coming back when are you coming back and it's like look man both of us have stuff going on um behind the scenes that we have to take care of before we can be devoting mental health hours to <laughs> to a podcast yeah and i like i'm dude i was this last year i was so fucking busy like between army and school and work and it just like it was not feasible and the content that people were gonna get like you could you could see it in the the content that we were making towards the end that it just wasn't it wasn't as good like it it was just 
half the time I was like shit housed trying to do it was funny it was funny but it wasn't it wasn't good um but yeah so and and i I think in the the past i we got lost in like i got lost in like wanting to i wanted to get this merch out and i honestly like the podcast costs money so there's there's two there's two aspects of why we ask people to subscribe or like or interact and and the reality is is this thing it cost me about 150 bucks a month to run it, publish it, do all of everything. Um, and it's not, I don't, I don't care if I ever make a penny, uh, but to cover that cost would be awesome. And the best way that you guys can do that is not, I don't need you to buy merch. We do have merch. If you want to, you can, uh, but just subscribe and share and just get it out. And that piggyback, piggybacks off the, the next thing, which this is truly what's most important for me. Um, the more people that are listening, the more people we, that, that we have interacting with us, uh, the more people we can help and something like, yeah, you know, the, the old podcast, we, we were, we were successful in, in educating a lot of people. People learned about programs. They learned about schools. They learned about all sorts of shit, um, that was available to them and benefits that were available to them, uh, through us and, uh, I, I want to be able to do more of that. And I want to be able to like when we uh, when the H, you know, the attack at H. Kaya took place, uh, we were able to to raise. And it's not a lot, especially in comparison to what a lot of people were able to do. But we raised almost two thousand dollars in merch sales yeah. um, that we were able to donate to, you know, the families of the fallen uh, at H. Kaya. And, and the reality is, is that the our viewership our our people that listen to this podcast um united together and we you know we fed a family and and helped out a family that was going through the worst fucking time of their life and that to me that's what this is about yeah nasty garden nation um helped me when my interpreter was coming trying to get out of the country during the h kaya incident and uh he was stranded once he got out of the country for like three weeks and I can't remember if it was Syria or Qatar, but he was in one of them and he was broke and, uh, some random follower, I can't remember their name, but, um, they sent me like an anonymous, like cash app or whatever. And was like, Hey, you know, send this forward to your, uh, to your interpreter. And sure enough, I did. And that was enough to, uh, help like him, his wife and two kids. So, um, yeah, it's, it's not about us. It's not about Corey. It's not about Craig. It's we're just a platform to try to to help people. Like so many people use their platform for whatever, right? Like it could be cloud, it could be fame, it could be to make money. Um, we're just trying to be bros and trying to tell you know tell good stories, make people laugh, you know, share some good news, make highlight of the National Guard because we do. You know, we are the butt end of a lot of jokes. Um, but we, you know, we do help people. That's, that's why we pull guests from, you know, fitness or education benefits and stuff. If, if, if we didn't care about y'all and didn't care about trying to help, we would have like the homeless guy that lives outside my gas station as a, (laughs) (laughs) as a guest, you know, like no disrespect to homeless people or whatever, but like, if we didn't care about what we were doing, y'all, y'all would see it in our efforts and y'all would see it in how we go about doing things, but we're back and we are going to, we're going to carry it. We're going to, we're going to make it happen. Yep. 
Yep. I think the current game plan right now is uh, every Monday morning uh, we'll drop an episode at like 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So uh, that way everybody on their way to work or whatever, you guys will have uh, the newest episode of the Nasty Guard podcast. I My goal for this fucking year is every week after January 15th, every fucking week, there's going to be a podcast and it's going to require us, you know, tracking people down. And some of you that are listening, you're like, well, I, I don't have a very interesting National Guard story. Uh, that's fine. We still want to like we still want to talk. So like if you if you're somebody in the Guard, you're a reservist, Navy Reserve, I, I don't care. We all have something to learn from each other. So reach out uh, and come on the podcast. We I mean, we have had. We have had some of what, you know, from the outside looking in, what would be considered like some of the most like vanilla or like boring guard experiences. We've had them on the podcast and they've been great episodes. And it's just because they're cool people. And the beauty of the National Guard is like, yeah, this is what I do in the National Guard. But, you know, I work for the DEA in my civilian career. So don't don't ever think that like. If you've got like a funny story or something you want to share with us, like fucking reach out. Like we'll we'll bring you on. We're more than happy to do it. So, um, but yeah, we've got some Twitch stuff coming. Uh, we've got uh, TikTok up. Everything is at the Nasty Guard. Um, but stay tuned for that. Uh, Corey, you play PUBG? Um, not in a long time. Not in a long time. I've been um I've been on Call of Duty Warzone and Rainbow Six and Halo actually as of recently. Oh, I need to get up. I need to get back on Warzone. I just got a Series X and I need to I need to quit fucking around and download Warzone because I I the old my my old Xbox One like for some reason Warzone just fucking tanked it. Like if it was even downloaded on the console, it just fucking tanked it. It's a beefy boy. Yeah. I'm gonna go do that. I'm gonna download that shit right now. But um, we will we'll we'll have Twitch stuff up stuff up for you guys. Like I said, there is some merch on the website. Um, if you guys are interested, you could check that out. Uh, but like, subscribe, share our shit. And uh, until next time, we love and appreciate you all. And welcome fucking back, dude. Welcome back. <laughs>